here in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So this is our first episode of 2015. And some people never believe the Paracast would last that long. Some suggested after 2006 we had shot our wad and it was time to leave. But we're still here, completing nine years in February, looking forth to the 10th anniversary show in February of 2016. And maybe we'll bring back some figures who had been with us before and had gone away. We'll see. It is interesting, though, that in this holiday season, as it ends, two members of our forums who maybe had a bad experience with us or got banned because of their behavior, whatever, came back. I got an apology from somebody who was really attacking us three or four years ago and now says, hey, let bygones be bygones. Is that a New Year's resolution or what? What do you think, Chris? Well, I'm not sure, Gene. Uh, It's good to know that people are still uh, interested in tuning in to our forums and uh, to the show. That's always a good sign. I think our audience is is increasing by leaps and bounds. And uh, boy, I'll tell you, we sure have some smart folks on the forums. They're, they're actually kind of, I think, intimidating people. I got an email from one of our longtime posters that was saying, you know, this has really turned into an intellectual, you know, almost an intellectual boxing match online. And, and I think some people are a little bit intimidated by that. Uh, boy, I know I am in some of the threads. <laughs> I don't know uh, how to add my two cents in there without seeming trite or, I don't know, just uh, pretty jaw-droppingly impressive some of the you know, the quality and depth of insight that I'm seeing on the forums. Uh, there's some pretty heady conversations on there, but that doesn't mean that they all the conversations have to be conducted by PhD-level arguments. I think there's uh, plenty of room for everyone, and we'll make sure that we try to include everyone in our you know posts on the forum and some of the subject matters that we handle. And I'm also looking forward in the new year, Gene, to the Paracast Plus uh, taking off and adding more features onto our new extra subscription uh, service that we're going to be having at the forum, and it's going to be fun developing that, working in, in some video some field reports, some uh, more lengthy interviews with uh, interesting folks about interesting topics. And it's it's going to be fun, I think. I'm looking forward to the new year. Let me tell you what we have right now for the Paracast Plus. If you go to plus.theparacast.com, P-L-U-S dot theparacast.com, you can get an ad-free version of the Paracast with a higher resolution audio file, so it sounds better. This is especially helpful when we get those marginal connections with some of our guests. They're on a bad cell phone. They don't have any other connection. We really want to hear from them. But sometimes you have to listen a little more carefully, and we think the higher resolution quality takes care of that. Those who complained about the ads, that's the solution. We have a fledgling chat room that we might do something with. We're still working that out. We also have the exclusive After the Paracast podcast. And we were getting a couple of messages about those shows, a couple of messages which suggest that some people like those short, brief discussions more than they might have liked a particular episode of the Paracast. That's After the Paracast. And that's what you get now when you subscribe. It's $5 a month, $50 a year. And we're going to be announcing more stuff in 2015, as Chris mentioned on last week's episode of After the Paracast. Maybe 
a way to learn how to investigate UFO sightings and maybe a contest to see who produces the best fake. But you have to listen to the previous week's edition of After the Powercast for all the details. So we'll keep that as the cliffhanger. There you go. In the meantime, there's an online movement now, yet again, to get 100,000 people to sign a petition with the Office of the President of the United States demanding disclosure about UFOs. Now, Chris, do you know the definition of pipe dream? (laughs) Yes, I do. Uh, Actually, it stems from uh, some of the opium dens in China, I believe. But in terms of this particular application, I do, as I've said all along for many years, that the government is never going to, this government, the American government is never going to come forward and divulge the full extent of their knowledge about the UFO phenomenon. Uh, We've also discussed many times at length the possibility that the government isn't even involved directly with managing the secret, if you will. It may be completely in the hands of the military-industrial complex and the aerospace companies and in some of our our super high-tech corporations. Uh, it, It just seems to me that it would be out of the reach of any sort of disclosure movement if you kept it in the private sector, and that makes the most sense to me. It gives the government plausible deniability. We have no evidence that UFOs represent a threat to national security. We have no evidence that UFOs are extraterrestrial. But if all that evidence is funneled into private industry, they can say they don't have the evidence because they gave it to somebody. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be holding my breath. These, these efforts, you know, although well-intentioned and well-meaning, I think are just an exercise in, in frustration because, as we all know, it's a third-rail subject. It is not political in nature. Uh, it's not politically expedient, I should say, to attach yourself to any sort of paranormal subject. Look at the case of Senator Harrison Schmidt in 1979, attempted to put together a conference on the cattle mutilation phenomenon. And uh, that was used against him when he tried to rerun, you know, uh, run for re-election, and he was defeated. And one of the things that was used uh, against him politically was the fact that he had embraced such a um, woo-woo subject, and and that was used uh, as, as part of an effective campaign to defeat him uh, in the following election. Now, maybe it was not connected, but the congressman, I think it was Congressman Rausch, who originally was one of the prime movers behind the 1968 congressional hearings on UFOs, he was defeated in the next election and then went on to serve on the Board of Governors of the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, NICAP, in its final years. So let that be a lesson to politicians. If you express too much of an interest in UFOs, Well, it may hurt your political career. I don't know about Senator Barry Goldwater, because for years he tried to get more information on the subject. And Senator Goldwater, who had a high rank in the military, he never got what he wanted. No, he didn't. And look at the allegation, or the revelation, I should say, that Shirley MacLaine made about Dennis Kucinich and how that particular UFO-tinged element came back to bite him during the uh, election debates. As soon as that was admitted, it was history. That's it. Yeah. Now, we're going to talk about history, as a matter of fact, today. And it's kind of a history that's very unpleasant. And it's all about a book we have here from Dr. Benjamin E. Zeller. And the book is called Heaven's Gate, 
America's UFO religion. Now, this is not necessarily an indictment of the UFO field. It's about one singular cult that really caused trouble before they were involved in committing suicide. I mean, this was a pretty crazy thing. You wonder how anybody can be influenced to just end it all. Chris, you had some peripheral involvement with these people, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Back uh, on the how do you call it right place? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe the wrong place. I'm not sure. But I was speaking at the Eureka Springs Conference in 1996. And that, that first, uh, I believe it was Friday night, um, early Saturday morning, actually, uh, just as the conference was, was getting rolling in the morning, I was in the uh, hospitality suite in this group of 12 people, all looking like someone very distinct, like a doctor, a construction worker, an athlete, a housewife. Uh, this group of 12 people walked in and, and announcing that the sheep have returned. And it turns out that the Heaven's Gate cult, after being underground for, I think, about 18 years at that point, had come out uh, publicly the night before in Fort Smith, Arkansas, and had showed up at the conference. Let's cover that. Yeah. The book is called Heaven's Gate. The guest coming up, Dr. Benjamin Zeller. With Gene and with Chris, you're in the Paracast. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. First game attack of the rockoids and it was a critically acclaimed success and now there is the coming of the protectors a former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream a dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the earth this is gripping science fiction of the classic kind attack of the rockoids and the coming of the protectors find out more at rockoids.com that's rockoids r-o-c-k-o-i-d-s.com Gold. It's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. What good is a Big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. 
protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. The knowledge of the ancients, tried and true, trusted herbs and extracts fused with the latest nutraceutical science. Introducing the all-new Ancient Defense Herbal Immunity Blend, crafted with over 14 key ancient herbs and extracts to supercharge and prepare your body for what experts admit is the most dangerous season of the year. We have rejected hundreds of other formulations in our quest to bring you what is simply the most powerful and comprehensive proprietary formula that we have ever created in the realm of herbal immunity. For the last two years, our team has been working with top doctors, nutritionists, and chemists to develop the ultimate nutraceutical formulation. Experience the benefits of combining over 14 ancient herbs and extracts with exciting new advances in nutraceutical science. Now is the time to secure ancient defense for you and your family. Visit ancientdefense.com or call 888-253-3139. That's ancientdefense.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Joining us on the Paracast this week is Dr. Benjamin Zeller. He's author of a new book called Heaven's Gate, America's UFO Religion. Ben, welcome to the Paracast. Thank you for having me. Before we get started here, because this is certainly an unusual subject to consider for a book, and certainly we know the reasons why one would write a book about it, because it's obviously a fascinating tale. But what is your background that led you in this direction to be interested in this sort of thing? Sure. Well, my background is the study of American religious history and uh, new religions in particular. But really what got me interested in the topic was Heaven's Gate itself. Uh, I was in college when the Heaven's Gate suicides occurred in 1997. I was actually taking a class. I was a religious studies major. I was taking a class on um, messianism and millennialism. We were looking at it in the historical context. We were looking at it in terms of uh, ancient Near East, things like you know the early, early Christian movement, uh, some of the, the mystery cults in, in Rome and Greece. But then right in front of my eyes here in the West Coast of America was a millennial messianic movement unfolding in spectacularly self-destructive fashion. And that's really what grabbed me. I really wanted to understand what this group and groups like it are about. That's really what what got me interested in the study of American religion in particular. Now, looking worldwide, we're talking here about a religion that ended up with people offing themselves. Correct, yes. Is there a history of much of that in any religious movement that you've studied? There are relatively few examples, but there are several. Well, the ancient example that people often look to would be Masada. Uh, the, the Jewish uh, rebels in Masada during the revolt against Rome in the first century, who rather than allow themselves to be captured, enslaved, raped, chose to uh, commit suicide instead. 
that was during the revolt against Rome when the, when the Second Temple fell in the first century. Uh, more recently, uh, the Russian Old Believers uh, was a group really started in the 19th century uh, in Russia. They were a splinter group from the Orthodox Church. Several groups of them actually barricaded themselves uh, within their churches and, and uh, set fire to them to avoid having to, to become heretics in, in their mind by converting to the official faith. Uh, there are examples, and more recently, the Solar Temple, of course, which occurred around the same time as Heaven's Gate. The uh, Branch Davidians, there's a big debate over whether that was suicide or not, uh, Jonestown. Uh, but certainly there are examples, relatively few and far between. All right, let's look at the second connection here, UFOs. Do you have any personal interest in UFOs at all, or was it just largely in connection with this particular movement? Well, my personal interest is in science fiction, actually. I grew up a sci-fi fan. I remember reading my dad's bookshelf when I was a kid and picking out Asimov and Clark and uh, reading you know, all the, the, the great classics of science fiction. UFOs themselves, they, in, in, until I encountered Heaven's Gate, I saw them as sort of a part of sort of that whole milieu of sort of the, the speculation about the unknown and what's out there. Okay, so you followed science fiction you didn't take UFOs seriously then at all, I gather. And I mention this because of the fact that I'm one of those rare people interested in UFOs and interested in science fiction. I've even written science fiction stories with my son. And the reason that's kind of curious is you'd think there'd be a natural affinity for the two. But many times when you try to have people involved in science fiction also get involved in studying UFOs, whether they believe in them or not, you ended up with all sorts of conflicts. Mm -hmm. They didn't want to hear that. They were happy to hear that things can happen in fiction and any possibility can be explored, Mm -hmm. but not that there could possibly be a reality. But before we get into the Heaven's Gate story then, after all this happened, did anything lead you to explore UFOs independently of this? Well, yeah, after I began studying Heaven's Gate, I, I spent a lot of time looking at uh, literature among UFO believers, both those who would put themselves within sort of the more scientific perspective, you know, investigators, uh, as well as those who are contactees, claim more sort of religious or quasi-religious experience with extraterrestrial life or with UFOs. Yes, I certainly, I, I, I did study that. You know, in terms of the existence of, uh, of UFOs, I'd call myself an agnostic on it. I, uh, I, I haven't seen convincing evidence one way or another. Certainly, I personally believe that there's life out there in the universe. Uh, to paraphrase one of my sort of academic heroes, Carl Sagan, uh, if there isn't life out there, then it's a whole waste of space. I know whether they visit us or not. Uh, well, that's uh, an open question. No, that's fair to say that. I'm not going to try to convince you of UFO reality. We want to look into this heaven's gate and see what's going on. So maybe you could tell our listeners here, your exposure to this. Now, let me tell you my background first is I first heard of the people involved in this, I guess going back to even the 70s, mm-hmm. about these characters named Bo and Peep. Mm-hmm. And I just looked at that as being something funny. Yeah, well, they, they meant it to be funny, actually. Uh, they used guinea and pig before they even used Bo and Peep. They had a real sense of humor about it. And then tea and dough was what they went with uh, later on. Uh, certainly, I mean, they, they saw... Their human lives, their human names, as, as almost costumes which they were putting on, they identified themselves with, uh, with what they called level above human, uh, with outer space, and they really saw everything of the human level, at worst an illusion, at best sort of a, a, a theater or sort of a place for a classroom. Uh, but the names they used, no, they, they knew they were quite funny. So at what point did something funny become something so serious 
that ends with people killing themselves. Well, it was serious at the same time. Uh, one thing that uh, some ex-members have told me, and I've interviewed several ex-members, is that there really was a sense of humor within the group, though they were quite serious as well. Uh, they were aware that outsiders thought they were somewhat crazy. They were aware that they were widely dismissed. And they sort of poked fun at themselves in, in that way. But they were serious throughout. And from the, the beginning of Heaven's Gate in the 1970s, there's different dates for when it began, either 74 or 75, uh, when the two founders met, or 76, 77, when they first got some significant converts. Uh, but going back to the mid-70s, uh, from the beginning, uh, they were serious that they wanted to figure out the truth of the universe, the truth of religion, the truth of science, the truth of UFOs, the truth of the Bible. It was a very serious pursuit for them and those who followed them. Chris, maybe you should explain how you got peripherally involved in some of this in more detail for Ben. Sure. Um you know, Ben, I, I like Gene, I remember um, just kind of faintly, I, I didn't really pay much attention, but I remember reading articles uh, about uh, Applewhite and his wife back in the 70s. And, you know, I did have a little bit of knowledge about them. But then when they went underground for almost 18 years, if I remember correctly, you know, they, they faded away from the public uh, arena. And um, I happened to be speaking at a conference in Eureka Springs um, in April of 1996. And mm -hmm. instead of going off to the conference center to listen to the talks, I, I was hanging out with a couple of other researchers and investigators in the uh, the hospitality suite. Mm -hmm. And uh, all of a sudden, there's a knock at the door, and these 12 people trooped in, uh, stating that the sheep have returned. And it looked like something out of central casting. Everyone looked different. There was a doctor, uh, an athlete, a construction worker. They, they all had very distinctive looks, and nobody looked the same. And it was it was quite bizarre. It was like uh, <laughs> uh, it was like central casting had sent uh, twelve different people for twelve different parts, and they all walked in and sat down. And I looked over at my friend Tom Adams, who had followed this cult. Ex extensively had a huge file on them, had uh, actually followed them around for a while and was reporting on their activities in the seventies. And he knew immediately who they were. Let's go and, into that in more detail. Chris O'Brien's experience with the early days of Heaven's Gate. We have Dr. Ben Zeller joining us. The book is called Heaven's Gate with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Listening to GCN, proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Lock down your digital life at UnseenNow.com. This is GCN. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at webtv.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. You 
pick up the receiver. With your heart racing and sweat dripping from your forehead, you finally muster the courage to dial the number to call into your favorite talk radio show. It rings once, twice, and then... Hello, it's GCN. What's your name and the state you're calling from? Surprised you got through, you squeak out. Jason from Minnesota. Please hold. As you patiently wait for your turn, you begin to daydream about being a famous talk radio host and what it would be like to have your own show. Jason from Minnesota, you're up. Millions of loyal listeners worldwide waiting to call and talk to you. Caller, are you there? Cheering crowds surround you, calling out your name. Going once, twice. Okay, we gotta move on to the next caller. You blew it. Huh? Wait, no! Interact with the host you're listening to right now online at GCNlive.com. Click on the community link. Engage with other listeners. Ask questions. Start debates. Don't agree with the host? Let them know. Be a part of the community at GCNlive.com. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy. So you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products, most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. Hi, this is Ted Phillips, listening to the Paracast, and it's as good as it gets, believe me. We'll have a lot to say on this episode and other subjects in our After the Paracast podcast, which goes up the same day as the podcast version of this show. To get a copy, you join the Paracast Plus at plus.theparacast.com, P-L-U-S dot theparacast.com. It's $5 a month, $50 a year for after the Paracast plus the ad-free version of the show. The book is Heaven's Gate. The author is Dr. Benjamin Zeller, and Chris is telling you about his early involvement with the people involved in this cult. Chris? (laughs) I wouldn't say there was involvement there. Um, I did keep them at arm's length. 
just to recap, I was sitting in in the hospitality suite at the Eureka Springs uh, UFO conference in the spring of 1996. Twelve people walked in. As soon as they walked in, uh, one thing that we noticed that was that was quite uh, actually <laughs> quite strange. Uh, we had a beautiful spring, you know, Ozarks day that that morning. And there wasn't a cloud in the sky, and it, it it was very strange that as soon as they they arrived, uh, this big thunderhead started to form right over Eureka Springs. And during the hour or so that I was in the room with these people before they left, it was about forty five minutes to an hour. A, a pretty intense lightning storm broke out, and and there was kind of a reddish colored lightning, which I'd never seen before or since. Uh, as a little side note to this, there was something quite strange <laughs> about the storm, and I'll I'll tell you what we uh, we actually researched the storm later uh, the the following uh, that evening. So anyway, these people are all sitting in in this around in this hospitality suite, and they're telling about um, that they had just come out. Uh, they had. Uh, given a public presentation the, the night before in Fort Smith and that they were coming up here to meet uh, folks at the, at the Congress and, or at the um, uh, Lou Farish's UFO uh, Eureka Springs conference. And as it turns out, they actually uh, were able to, I guess, bring somebody with, with them away from the conference. They converted somebody at the conference and this became quite a controversy the following day when uh, they showed back up and this woman left with them, uh, there was uh, almost a physical altercation between between uh, her friends and and the uh, the Applewhite group. But she did end up leaving with them and, and just turning her back on her family, her her husband. So I'm not sure when they actually met her or what they said to her to indoctrinate her to the point where she was enlisted as one of the members. But um, Going back to that afternoon when they were sitting around the room, when they heard that I was uh, lived in Crestone, Colorado, which is kind of an aspiring little new age town in, in South Central Colorado, it has a reputation for a lot of uh, the world's uh, unbroken spiritual lineages are represented there. When they heard this, they, they were very insistent on getting my contact information. And for the next year, every few weeks, every month or two, they were trying to contact me to try to get them into Crestone so that they could speak there. And I kept putting them off and putting them off. And the more I put them off, the more letters Applewhite would write to me, the more videotapes he would send. I have a box full of stuff that was uh, sent to me over over that particular time period, uh, the year prior to the Rancho Santa Fe uh, fiasco. But uh, one thing that really struck me about these people is how normal they seemed. They didn't seem loony, crazy. They seemed very uh, grounded, down to earth. None of them really seemed like uh, they had any sort of obvious issues, um, you know, mental, spiritual, or otherwise. And I was struck by their normalcy. Knowing a little bit about them, of course, the last thing I wanted to do was was set them up for a talk in my town so that they could try to recruit people. But I did actually um, kind of, I, I had a dialogue with Applewhite, you know, over the ensuing months. And uh, it wasn't until, you know, I really got to know him a little better, you know, over the phone that I really realized that this guy was, you know, he was out there. He definitely was. And uh, I still have these old VHS videotapes of him and his, his just going on and on and on about their philosophy and stuff. But that's one of the reasons why when I saw your book had come out that I wanted to get you on the show to get a little bit more insight into their process, um, what their belief system was about, 
um, how it evolved over time. Heaven's Gate is how we know the group now, but they had uh, several different names uh, in their various incarnations. And I'd really like to get into this whole idea of belief surrounding science fiction uh, subjects, UFOs, and that sort of thing, and how this may end up being uh, fairly common here as we uh, get further into the 21st century. Sorry, I'm monopolizing the uh, the show here at this point, but I, I wanted to let you know that I actually did have quite a bit of, of contact with them uh, that year prior to their suicides. And I want to connect to something you said, which is, is their normalcy. That's always been what's so interesting to me about this group, is that in some ways they're so normal. The, the ex-members who, who I've spoken with and interviewed, uh, the, the written statements or the video statements from, from members before they committed suicides, uh, these people all come off as very, very normal. Even their beliefs, in fact about transcending the planet, about sort of perfecting the human soul, about achieving sort of salvation after this life. That's pretty normal stuff. Most Americans claim some sort of belief about uh, life after death and about wanting to uh, to have some sort of uh, uh, eternal life, uh, wanting to, to, to achieve some sort of state of, of higher consciousness. In some ways, they're very normal. On the other hand, some of what, what they did certainly was very extreme. And that's exactly what's so interesting about this group. One thing that you point out in the book that I found fascinating is the fact that, that Applewhite was actually the son of a, um, I think, a, a Pentecostal minister, was it? or Presbyterian, actually. A, a Presbyterian. Presbyterian minister. And that much of their dogma and beliefs um, had a real sense of Protestantism. Uh, there was this kind of apocryphal version of it, but um, it was very Christian-based at its core, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely convinced of that. There is a debate within the academic community over this, but I'm convinced that uh, that basically what they did is they, they took a Christian set uh, of basic uh, doctrines and texts, and they read it through a lens which was influenced by ufology, by the New Age movement, uh, by astrology. Uh, but at their, their foundational core, from beginning to end, what they were about was basically a Christian message about interpreting the Bible, uh, about trying to understand who Jesus was and who God was and the nature of the human soul and how to transcend this earth and achieve a heavenly paradise. And they basically went back to the Bible time and time again as source and as proof text throughout their history. The big question here is, how does a simple belief become something where such drastic conclusion emerges? The conclusion of suicide, you mean? Yes. They rejected, ultimately, the earth. They rejected the body. Uh, when they first began, they were intent on the belief that you had to transcend the planet in bodily form. They were actually asked at one of their very first public meetings in Walport, Oregon, where the, really the first time they hit the press after a large number of people joined. They were asked, can you do this when you're dead? And they said, no, you have to bring your body. And the reason they believed this is they believed in the rapture in the classic Christian sense, the classic uh, fundamentalist Christian Protestant sense, that is, uh, which is that Jesus will meet uh, the, the, the believers midair and bring them into heaven. That's based on a particular interpretation of the Bible, which became very popular in late 19th, early 20th century American Protestantism. Uh, so this idea of the rapture, which is you have to meet Jesus midair 
in your body. Well, what they added to that was Jesus was in a UFO. So you're going to meet Jesus in the UFO. You're going to be lifted up with some sort of technology and meet Jesus and the UFO sort of hovering in the atmosphere. They were very clear. It was in the atmosphere. And then you and your body and Jesus are going to go on to the next level. And through uh, uh, through the technology of the next level, your human body would become transformed, metamorphosized, to use their language, into a newly perfected next level that is heavenly outer space extraterrestrial body. That was what they began with. Uh, when in 1984, Bonnie Lou Nettles, the, the co-founder of Heaven's Gate, died, and her body lay there decomposing and eventually had to be disposed of like any other human body, they fundamentally had to rethink their theology because this really shook them to the core. The body of Nettles, that is T, as she went, or Peep, uh, didn't go anywhere. So therefore, they instead shifted their idea to the soul. That is the soul which will transcend the earth. Let's transcend this, folks. We've got Dr. Benjamin Zeller with us. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. Great minds think alike. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-297-0154. That's 800-297-0154. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. That's 800-297-0154. The knowledge of the ancients, tried and true, trusted herbs and extracts fused with the latest nutraceutical science. Introducing the all-new Ancient Defense Herbal Immunity Blend, crafted with over 14 key ancient herbs and extracts to supercharge and prepare your body for what experts admit is the most dangerous season of the year. 
We have rejected hundreds of other formulations in our quest to bring you what is simply the most powerful and comprehensive proprietary formula that we have ever created in the realm of herbal immunity. For the last two years, our team has been working with top doctors, nutritionists, and chemists to develop the ultimate nutraceutical formulation. Experience the benefits of combining over 14 ancient herbs and extracts with exciting new advances in nutraceutical science. Now is the time to secure ancient defense for you and your family. Visit ancientdefense.com or call 888-253-3139. That's ancientdefense.com. Time waits for no one. That's why you should hurry to not miss the Freeze Dry Guy's end of year case lot sale. Go to freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663 to receive 20 to 25% off Mountain House freeze dry foods. Mountain House, the gold standard in long-term storage products, include real freeze-dried meats, entrees, eggs, fruits, and vegetables. Yes, 20 to 25% off now. Also receive 30% off other selected Mountain House foods. And receive 30% off selected Packaway brand dehydrated foods. Just call 866-404-3663 and ask for the freeze-dry guy. Plus, long-range patrol ration eggs and ham at superb discounts. But these are extremely hard to find and nearly gone, so call today. Ask about our LRP ice cream bars, too. Some items limited to stock on hand. And remember, the freeze-dry guy pays for shipping to your door within the lower 48 states. Order now. Don't miss out on the freeze-dry guy's end-of-year case lot sale. Call 866-404-3663 or visit freezedryguy.com. This is Jacques Vallée. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Now we ascend back into the response to that question. So seeing the physical body there, it was about the soul ascending, but that's part of traditional religion, isn't it? That's correct. Uh, but what they did is they took it in a very radical direction. It became only the soul. It's just the soul. The body is just a container, a vehicle, a vessel. The body became ultimately worthless to them. And that's what opened the door towards, well, at first monasticism, but later on suicide. Uh, the idea that this body is just a container for the soul. Now, that is a belief within some Christian traditions. And in fact, the entire history of martyrology within the Christian church is based on the same premise, the idea that this body is temporary, this body is earthly, what matters is the soul. Go all the way back to the first century, you find Christians saying the same thing. Uh, that's why Christians were agreed to uh, to be martyred, why they volunteered to be thrown in with the lions. The idea is that you're not this body. All Heaven's Gate did was take this to its radical 20th century next step, that is suicide. And isn't that also what we see terrorists do? They believe that somehow if they commit some kind of suicide in performing some kind of act, that they will basically benefit in the afterlife. Without a doubt. If we're talking about jihadists, for example. Yeah. Uh, 50 it, virgins. It, it, <laughs> the, the whole idea is it's sort of this, this, this millennialism, that, uh, that we're in the last days, that, that it, something special is happening, that we're willing to take ultimate radical steps. Uh, because most people who accept the premise that they're the soul but not the body aren't willing to commit suicide. What it takes is for people to think that there's a special circumstance happening. Uh, for Heaven's Gate, uh, that was uh, millennialism, the idea that we're in the end of time. And it was then the appearance of Hellbop Comet, which really uh, drove them uh, to make that final choice. Tell us more about the comet, because a lot of you out there, listeners, remember when that happened. Some are very young and don't remember. Where does Hellbop Comet 
get in connection with this whole episode? Well, the members of Heaven's Gate always look to the skies for guidance. Uh, they began with astrology, actually. Uh, Bonnie Lou Nettles, co-founder of the group, uh, re- uh, led an astrology group in Houston. Uh, Marshall Herf Applewhite, uh, the other co-founder, he was uh, involved with and interested in astrology. According to his story of how they met, one of the first things they did is Nettles did his chart for him. So they were always looking to the sky for guidance. When they actually began, uh, there was a particular comet. I am blanking on the name, which was which was overhead. So they they saw comets as as connected to the, the their origin. So it was Kahootek. Yeah, it was Kahootek. Yeah, exactly. It was Kahootek. Yeah. So when Halbop came, they were already attuned to looking towards the heaven. And then there was the Art Bell issue. There was the uh, the question of whether there was a companion to Halbop. So some of your your listeners, uh, if, if they're younger, may not may not know the whole story here. Let me just say this here. Of course, mm-hmm. Art Bell is one of the pioneer people involved in paranormal radio. Yeah, he yeah. had the Coast to Coast AM show. He got his influence from the late Long John Nebel, who started out as a paranormal talk show host back in the 1950s and 60s. In any case, Art Bell, as a result of his connection with this, and I'm going to ask you, Ben, to explain it in more detail, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. rated a membership in the Hall of Shame for the ufowatchdog.com website because of this. So how did Art Bell get connected? He's just a talk show host. Well, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't really his fault. What he did is he publicized. Uh, there, there were different individuals who claimed that they saw a, a something following Hellbop Comet. And the something varied depending on who was photographing it or engaged in, in various practices trying to see what it was. On sort of the more scientific side, there were people who claimed that they had uh, photographed uh, something, a UFO of some sort, following Halbop on the more sort of new age side. There were those who claimed that through astral projection or remote viewing, they had actually seen what this was. And the claims varied from a more conventional flying saucer style UFO to something the size of an entire planet uh, following the comet. But there was wide speculation that something was following it. And all that Art Bell really did is he, he publicized these various callers who called in and, and claimed that they saw this or saw that or photographed this or photographed that. Uh, the members of Heaven's Gate were intrigued by this. I mean, they were always fascinated by the paranormal, by, by ufology, uh, by astrology. Uh, so they were already attuned to, uh, to these sort of, of ideas. Ultimately, they never came down claiming, yes, there was a companion. They actually said it was irrelevant whether there was, there was a companion or not. But... What mattered to them is the whole world was looking to the sky, was looking to Halbop. The whole world was, was also now attuned to the sky. And this was their chance to show the world that their message was true, that we, that we are not our bodies, that uh, they were going to leave their bodies and, and join the next level. And while everyone was watching, they had our attention, as indeed they did. Uh, this was about publicity in some ways. Now, comments in general have inspired a lot of mysticism, haven't they? Certainly, certainly, without a doubt. If you yeah. go look back to the founding of the country, Cotton Mather, one of the, he was a third-generation Puritan in New England. He actually wrote extensively about comets. On uh, the 19th century, uh, during uh, the preaching of William Miller, who was uh, one of the, the leading 19th century uh, evangelists, started uh, founded the, uh, the Adventist movement. There was a comet overhead, which was integral to his preaching that the end of the world was nigh. If you go back to the Middle Ages, there's several examples as well. Certainly, comets have long intrigued the religious imagination and been seen as symbols of divine action. Now, I recall here also that there was a lot of mysticism around Halley's Comet, that things were supposed to happen, and they never seemed to happen. 
No, that was part of sort of the more general New Age milieu and sort of these, uh, the, the hopes that a, a New Age was dawning and the comet represented an advent of that. It was much more of what uh, my friend uh, and colleague Kathy Wessinger would call uh, progressive millennialism, the idea that, that a new wonderful age is dawning that will sort of slide into it in the comet inaugurated it. There were relatively few uh, catastrophic groups associated with, uh, with Haley. All right, let's get tighter on the UFO connection here. Because obviously we have the modern UFO enigma. Some people call it a myth, whatever you think about it. And we take the position something's going on that's genuine. The modern UFO era begins in the late 40s. And you've had serious people interested in the subject, believing that we're looking into a scientific mystery. We're being visited by people from other worlds or whatever it is. It's a mystery that scientists should look at and determine the outcome. We have other people who think of UFOs as a messenger. Maybe E.T. is here to warn us of the consequences of our handling rather unfavorably of natural resources, global warming, nuclear proliferation, whatever. Some people say that the Space Brothers are here to help us, to get us out of this mess, and maybe recruit a number of people to be part of this new movement. And it sounds to me like Heaven's Gate is part of the latter. Yes, with influence from the formers as well. Uh, Nettles, the co-founder, was briefly a member of the Houston Theosophical Association, uh, part of the Theosophical Society of America. And uh, 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 they, along with uh, the IM movement and several other sort of splinters out of theosophy, uh, are much more part of sort of that Space Brothers approach. The idea that there are, and here the terms vary, the Ascended Masters, the Great White Brotherhood, uh, the Space Brothers, that, that they are out there and they're there to guide us. So they do visit us in one way or another, either through uh, through channeling uh, or through actual visitations on board spacecraft uh, or through other means that they're in communication with us to guide us and to help us. That is part of the background that Nettles brought uh, to the formation of of Heaven's Gate. Uh, Nettles is also known as P- uh, Peep or T within the movement. I, I tend to use their, their birth names. Uh, but she brought that, uh, that with her. But they were intensely interested, as I said, both in astrology but also ufology. Uh, they were interested in questions about uh, the Roswell crash. They were interested in questions about uh, government conspiracies. Uh, they were interested in also Christian millennialism and how these might possibly connect. They're not the first uh, group of Christian thinkers to try to connect Christianity and uh, either ufology or, or belief in contactees. There's certainly other examples. But yes, they did, they did bring all of these different approaches together and eventually come to the conclusion that uh, the members of the, ele- the evolutionary level above human, or the next level, had come to Earth basically to recruit. Of course, if we're trying to be logical about such things, I always wonder why advanced beings would ever care about <laughs> what we do or why we do it. It doesn't matter what you right. think about UFOs. Why would they give a damn? Uh, for members of Heaven's Gate, because they were benevolent. The uh, example they used uh, was that uh, we are the garden and they are the gardeners. And just as a gardener, hopefully, is benevolent towards his or her garden, uh, so too are the, uh, uh, the extraterrestrials towards us. Uh, most people don't, don't plant a garden and ignore it or you know, spray Roundup all over it, uh, unless they have to. Uh, most people plant a garden and carefully prune it and take care of it and harvest from it. And that, to them, was the proper metaphor for our planet and for us as a species, uh, that we are the, the produce of the garden, basically. And the, uh, uh, the extraterrestrials who are part of the evolutionary level above human are the gardeners. 
You know, that implies a couple of other things that I would like to get into with you, Ben Zeller, in our next segment. But in the meantime, the book is called Heaven's Gate, America's UFO Religion. And this is a class act. And this book is well-written, carefully researched. You really should take a look at it. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. Listening to GCN, proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Lock down your digital life at UnseenNow.com. This is GCN. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just 19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Dr. Benjamin Zeller is here talking about his book, Heaven's Gate. Now, when you talk about we earthlings being in this garden there's another implication there which is that these advanced beings the space brothers who and what they are put us here maybe through genetic manipulation maybe they seeded this planet to bring forth the new flower of humans depending on what source you're looking at and what time period you're looking at the leaders and members of heaven's gate did take that particular position. Uh, at first, they were much uh, more sort of nebulous on that possibility of where humanity came from. But by the end, yes, they saw uh, humanity itself as a product of extraterrestrial, uh, if not uh, d- d- direct genetic m- manipulation, uh, careful planning and a sort of pruning of the genetic lines so that we evolved particularly the way we did. But certainly, wh- whether it was a d- direct planting of human beings 
in, in the garden of Earth or sort of a careful manipulation of our genetic makeup to prod us to evolve the way we did, the next level was behind us as a species. And here, members of Heaven's Gate actually did have room for disagreement. If, if you read the, the materials they, they produced, most of which are still up on the website, you can see that members actually did occasionally disagree with each other over these more uh, metaphysical questions. You know, what is the nature of life? You know, uh, uh, there were things which were nailed down uh, by the leadership that, you know, that you just had to accept. But there, there was space for conjecture about, about that sort of question, about uh, were we planted directly by the next level, or did we evolve with their guidance? Members of Heaven's Gate disagreed on, on that sort of question. Another thing that I think should be mentioned here, too, is their, their effortless grasp uh, and acceptance and embracing of technology. Uh, they were very, very much involved in early uh, Usenet groups uh, in the emerging internet uh, during the early to mid-90s. I remember someone did a, a fairly well-researched kind of history of them and looked at their involvement with the internet. And one thing I didn't see in your book is the connection that was made by several people with the CIA, that uh, members of Heaven's Gate towards the end were helping develop the CIA's website. Now, did you ever encounter that information? I did not encounter that information. It was never confirmed nor denied to me. That's why it's not in the book. But in terms of their engagement with the internet, they were cutting edge, if not bleeding edge, in terms of their interest in technology. Uh, they were interested in BBSs even before there was the Usenet. In terms of Usenet, that's actually the first place I ran across them was Usenet postings in the 1990s. Uh, they were uh, very early to the game in terms of using Usenet and then uh, creating web pages as well. But some of their web pages particularly look very dated now because they haven't been updated since 1997. Uh, but they ran a business developing web pages. Now, who their clients were, if they were working with the CIA, I, I can't tell you that. But certainly they were developing a number of websites for different entities. Yeah, it really makes me sort of wonder about what would drive a group like that over the edge to take their own lives and, and look at some, at some of the other groups that are around uh, the Raelian uh, movement, for instance, uh, you mentioned the uh, the Solar Temple. That was uh, a bit of a standalone uh, example. Mm -hmm. But there are other groups, too, that, uh, you know, they're based on a, a, a quite a charismatic, uh, almost messianic leader. People tend to, uh, you know, give a lot, some, a lot of money to these individuals to help their, their programs and uh, to increase the size of the group. Uh, of course, uh, Dr. Stephen Greer immediately springs to mind with his whole C-SETI program, which alleges going to train people to be ambassadors uh, to the universe for humanity, and that he, uh, <laughs> for some reason, has been elected or ordained as the, the trainer or the chief ambassador. Have you looked into other groups like this, and are you looking at this as a, as a possible emerging trend within, uh, within culture? with this belief in, in UFOs and the, the tie-in with uh, religion and benevolent space brothers and this sort of thing. Are we going to see more of this type of thing, do you think? We're going to see more interest, particularly in technology and the human technological interface as a place where transcendence can occur. You know what I think the best example of this would, would be Scientology. If, if your, your listeners aren't familiar with, with Scientology, the E-meter is a central part of Scientology practice. Uh, this is uh, basically a voltometer, which is used uh, during uh, auditing, which is sort of uh, religious counseling sessions uh, between Scientologists. And they hook themselves up to this E-meter, and Scientologists believe that the E-meter is, is helping them to, uh, on their path towards clear, 
uh, towards achieving sort of a level of transcendence. But it's a box, basically. I mean, if you're an outsider, you'd call it basically it's a voltometer. It's measuring electrical resistance. But for members of the movement, it is a religious technology, which is essential to their quest to transcendence. I think there's going to be other groups in the future which do look, look to technology and the interface between humanity and technology as a place to try to achieve the transcendence. I, the, the entire sort of idea of transhumanism is, is part of that movement. The idea that, that we and the machine will eventually, if not merge, uh, reach towards the, 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 same, the same point of, of interface and connection. The singularity, be careful what you wish for. Boy, if you start merging man with machine, I'll, I don't think that... Uh... It's going to be an, an equal merging for very long. I think the machine side of it's probably going to be uh, be wanting uh, control over the equation. Uh, well, sure. You have, I mean, you have your Ray Kurzweils who, who think that it, it's it's going to be sort of a, a, a brave new future, brave new world for uh, uh, for humanity once we achieve tra- transhumanism. But you also, I think, have uh, well, I mean, think of pop culture, think of the Matrix, the idea that uh, uh, that indeed that it's it's an uneven match, or the Terminator, for that matter. Well, at least with the Matrix, though, we're all basically dreaming it, what's happening. So therefore, if we're dreaming it, if we off ourselves, it's not really happening. You know, it's funny in terms of the Matrix, actually, that's, that's it's almost a parallel to what Heavenscape members believe. They, they never, no, no ex-members or members ever talked about the Matrix with me. Uh, but uh, in fact, I'd have a look at the date. I think Matrix came out maybe 99. right. 99. Yeah. So of course they wouldn't have. The... the um, the pop culture reference, which I often got from ex-members, was actually Stargate uh, and Star Trek as well. They were quite into Star Trek. But an ex-member once told me, well, go watch Star- uh, Stargate. That'll teach you everything you need to know about the way the, the, the universe actually is. Uh, so they were quite aware that fiction and that sci-fi in particular uh, can have truths within it, which are sometimes even more true than the truths we think we see <laughs> within uh, what is ostens- ostensibly a uh, work of fiction. Well, let's look at Stargate. Now, we all remember the original movie mm-hmm. with James Spader. And that movie was directed by Rowan Emmerich with Dean Devlin, the people who brought you Independence Day. And then it was purchased as a TV show, which became Stargate SG-1 with Richard Dean Anderson, MacGyver, taking over. But at its heart, the Stargate is this way to transport yourself across the galaxy or between universes with some kind of wormhole engaged by two stargates at your departing point and your destination point. But also talked about our early history and how we interacted with advanced beings known as the Gauld. Would you tell our listeners more? Well, and that for Heaven's Gate members was the key of the truth that was within Stargate. The idea that our ancient primitive ancestors would have looked to extraterrestrials as something akin to gods. Now, this is heavily indebted to the sort of the, the chariot of the gods idea from von Donneken, the idea that ancient religions bear the mark of engagement with extraterrestrial life. But for these, these primitive human beings, it, tens of thousands of years ago even, uh, when they met extraterrestrial beings, the only way that they could understand it was either through theology or demonology, either that these were beings of light or beings of darkness uh, here to bring us words of wisdom or words of destruction. And Stargate, uh, part of the Stargate uh, story is about the way that these uh, these extraterrestrials pass themselves off as deities 
in order to uh, to plunder really the, the resources of other planets. That for Heaven's Gate members was an essential truth because for members of Heaven's Gate there were two types of space aliens. Let's talk about those two types in our following segment. Don't forget that if you sign up for our weekly newsletter at thepowercast.com, that's thepowercast.com, you get a free copy of Chris O'Brien's Secrets of the Mysterious Valley with our weekly newsletter. Dr. Benjamin Zeller. The book is Heaven's Gate with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. First game attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. Mike Stennerson from Midas Resources. At no time in history have precious metals been more important, certainly not in my 22 years in the industry. The dollar has lost over 90% of its value in the last 60 years. No fiat currency has ever survived the government printing presses. Ours is not immune. The time is now to be proactive. 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Anything tied to the dollar is at risk. CDs, annuities, 401ks, IRAs, stocks, bonds, you name it, so decide. Do you want to leave a legacy of wealth or debt for your family? The choice is yours. Call me at 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Be proactive, not reactive. Call 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Time waits for no one. That's why you should hurry to not miss the Freeze Dry Guy's end of year caselet sale. Go to freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663 to receive 20 to 25% off Mountain House Freeze Dry Foods. Mountain House, the gold standard in long-term storage products, include real freeze-dried meats, entrees, eggs, fruits, and vegetables. Yes, 20 to 25% off now. Also receive 30% off other selected Mountain House foods. And receive 30% off selected Packaway brand dehydrated foods. Just call 866-404-3663 and ask for the freeze-dry guy. Plus, long-range patrol ration eggs and ham at superb discounts. But these are extremely hard to find and nearly gone, so call today. Ask about our LRP ice cream bars, too. Some items limited to stock on hand. And remember, the freeze-dry guy pays for shipping to your door within the lower 48 states. Order now. Don't miss out on the freeze-dry guy's end-of-year caselet sale. Call 866-404-3663 or visit freezedryguy.com. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. 
Say goodbye to the cable guy and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows, pause and rewind live TV, even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Ben, two types of aliens. That tell, is correct. Tell us more. For members of Heaven's Gate, uh, at least by the end of the movement, it isn't clear if they accepted this premise at the beginning, but by the end of the movement, there were two types of of space aliens. There were the benign beings uh, from the evolutionary level above human. These were the, the beings who they believed originally contacted uh, Applewhite Nettles at the founding of the movement. Uh, these were the beings who've been interacting with humanity for uh, thousands of years, or as long as humans have existed, really, trying to guide us and protect us. They are the beings who, who are gardening us as a planet and as a species. And, and they are also the beings that are trying to, if not recruit, uh, in, engage with us in a helpful manner and open the door towards us evolving and becoming more like them. They're, they're opposites. There are the, the, the space aliens. And they did use the term space aliens for the bad guys. Uh, for, for, for the good guys, it was members of the evolutionary level above human or the next level. But the, the bad guys were either the space aliens or the Luciferians. Uh, they were the, the remnants of a failed earlier civilization, which had achieved enough technology to go to space. Uh, and depending on which Heaven's Gate source you're looking at, they either came from this planet or Mars or some other planet nearby. Uh, but they did have the technology to travel the stars. However, they were the opposite of, of benign. They were maleficent. Uh, what they sought was control, power. They manipulated human beings through manipulating our, our religions, our governments, our societies. They were the ones behind the conspiracy. One way of trying to figure out how this developed is that when members of Heaven's Gate, particularly when, when, when Applewhite and Nettles, their, their leaders, were trying to figure out, hey, what's the truth behind UFO visitations? They didn't have any way to understand all the sort of the, the negative reports. You know, if the Space Brothers come to visit and they give some words of wisdom or they take someone on, on, a, on a brief trip to see the cosmos, that could fit within their worldview. Okay, that, that's what Next Level would do. But if they're engaged in abduction, if, if they're attacking people, if they're engaged in, in, in despotism and sort of in any sort of uh, conspiratorial work, that certainly couldn't be the next level aliens. So all of the idea of, of, of sort of these, these negative interactions with humanity, that was within their worldview. That had to be part of the Luciferian space alien element. So you have two sides, really. You have the good and the bad duking it out. And we're sort of in the middle. Wow. What do we know about the initial experience that Applewhite had in terms of were they contacted by some some sort of uh, being in did they claim some sort of contact experience that then spawned this whole movement how did how, what were the underpinnings of the actual beginning 
of this group? They uh, claim channeled contact with extraterrestrials, although in retrospect, Applewhite and Nettles both claimed later on they might have seen a UFO. Uh, and certainly at the beginning, they never claimed they did. They claimed this was entirely through channeling. Uh, for your, your listeners that may not be familiar with channeling, it, it's the idea that, uh, uh, that that other beings, either are space aliens or ascended masters or uh, uh, past human beings who have reincarnated into some other existence, uh, can communicate uh, through uh, through a special person, through a channel. The, uh, with with the rest of us here on Earth, so a special person, a channel, and that would, in, in the case of Heaven's Gate, be Applewhite and Nettles, could communicate with with these these other beings, who would then uh, offer uh, offer some guidance or instructions. Uh, so they claimed they communicated with uh, up the chain, to use their terminology, with members of the next level through channeling. Well, you have to be real charismatic to somehow get a large, fairly large group of people. If you if you look at the some total of all the people that were involved in this over the years, they were able to convince hundreds and hundreds of people uh, the, the reality of their vision, of their experiences. At what point does the average person suspend their disbelief and then buy into a scenario like this? I, I'm sure that that's very intriguing to you as a social scientist. It absolutely is. And from what, what I can tell, from best I can tell from the sources, the people who joined Heaven's Gate were already looking for something like this and had already been exposed to enough ideas like this where it at least came across as plausible. Uh, many people who joined the movement had been part of other new religions. Uh, some of those would be uh, uh, of the Western variety, uh, some of the Eastern variety, anything from meditation to, to yoga, uh, to actual uh, formal new religions like Scientology or the our 3H movement. But the, the people who joined Heaven's Gate were already open to the idea of there being different sorts of truths and truths that were widely rejected by other people. The, the sort of person who would join Heaven's Gate was not bothered by stigmatized knowledge. That is, they were not bothered by the idea that they held as a truth, an idea that most other people would not. And that's key to understanding why this was remotely plausible to those who joined. Uh, they did attract hundreds, if not thousands, of people who, who attended their talks, maybe even joined for a while. Almost all of them left. Uh, so they did not have a very good uh, rate of, of retention. Uh, but certainly in terms of at least attracting interest, they were pretty successful. I mean, people claim that they were quite charismatic. I never met Applewhite face-to-face, but I've seen really every video he's produced. I don't actually find him that charismatic. But uh, charisma is in the eye of the beholder, to be honest. I wanted to ask you more about this process here. You talked to people who were part of the cult and left. Now, it's been said that sometimes with these cults, if you want to get away, if you want to leave that cult, the process isn't so easy. So let me ask you about other movements. So if you're a Scientologist and you say, I've had enough of this, I want to get out of it. Is that easy to do? What about Sun Young Moon and his people? Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's going to depend on the movement and your sort of involvement you have. Uh, what you're referring to is what's called an exit cost by a sociologist. So the exit costs are going to vary. Uh, if you are a part-time member, if you've joined relatively recently, uh, your exit costs are probably going to be low regardless of the movement. If you've been part of this group for, for 15, 20, 30 years, if you were born into it, 
very, very high exit costs. Also depends on the movement. A group like Scientology actually has built into its uh, its sort of structure the idea of basically the equivalent of a shunning, that is people who leave the movement, uh, they can't be partway members. You know, if you leave, you're totally gone. Groups that are more like uh, the, uh, the Hare Krishnas, using a good example, Hare Krishnas are much more comfortable with people who are on-again, off-again members, or they're not really members, but they show up now and then, or they were ex-members, but they're still friendly. It depends on the theology of the group. If a group really sees a firm divide between us and them, Obviously, they're not going to like part-time members. And also, of course, it depends on, on your level of involvement. If you were never wholly committed to begin with, leaving won't be that tough. Now, for Heaven's Gate, what is quite interesting is Applewhite and Nettles, and then just Applewhite after, after Nettles died, so uh, uh, just Doe as he went by, actually encouraged people to leave if they weren't fully committed. You can read this in one of two ways. Either you read this uh, in a very benign way, that he really cared and he didn't want people there who weren't fully committed, or you can read it as sort of a uh, an attempt to to prune off the dead weight so that only those who were fully committed remained within the movement. Which one was it? Well, it's impossible to say. The sources don't really show us, and the group is, is defunct, so we can't ask. Uh, but certainly, for members of Heaven's Gate, it was relatively easy to leave, at least in terms of the exit costs. You'd actually be handed a ticket and some money on your way out. It wasn't that difficult. Now, psychologically, if you had been a member for 20 years— that, that's a big issue, depending on the person. I think we see here what you sometimes watch on TV, where someone wants to leave a cult, and they are followed by the cult security team, as it were, to dissuade them in a way that may be benign or not so benign. We've got Dr. Benjamin Zeller joining us. The book is Heaven's Gate. I'm Gene. He's Chris. You're in The Paracast. <laughs> Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Are you always five minutes late? Maybe you're only late when you don't want to be somewhere. Then you realize you're always five minutes late. For work, you set three alarms, drag your feet in the shower, drink your coffee slowly until you're rushing out the door. Five minutes late. It's not that you hate your job. Hate is such a strong word. You're just not that excited about it. But most people don't love what they do, right? Listen, if you're local to the Twin Cities, are hardworking, self-driven with experience in sales, marketing, or advertising, are personable, and a whiz on the phone, you might want to join one of the largest independent talk radio networks in the world, GCN. Because right now, we are hiring, and we offer benefits. 
Experience preferred, but we'll train the right person. Is that you? Submit your resume today to advertise at GCNlive.com. That's advertise at GCNlive.com. Come work with the Genesis Communications Network, where you'll want to be five minutes early every day. On Facebook, on the news, and in conversations with friends, we're bombarded every day with advice on how to be healthier, from gluten-free and non-GMO diets to how much exercise and sleep the body needs. But how much have you heard about alkalizing the body? AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops are a holistic and natural way to get your body's pH levels back in balance. Just a few drops in water will help your body rid itself of harmful waste. And even the healthiest of diets can be complemented with your daily use of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Who isn't looking for more vibrance, vigor, and energy? Now buy two bottles of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops and get $10 off your order. Visit AlkaVision.com or call 800-518-7615. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops are packed with a powerful combination of the most alkaline minerals and compounds. Open the door to greater health, vitality, and zest for life. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health. Call 800-518-7615 or head to AlkaVision.com. What good is a Big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. Don't forget our new podcast, After the Paracast, talking about the episodes and a lot more. It's featured for members of the Paracast Plus. Go to plus.theparacast.com, plus.theparacast.com to sign up. And that way you get an ad-free version of the PowerCast, after the PowerCast, a chat room, and lots more content. The book is Heaven's Gate. The guest is Dr. Benjamin Zeller. So is there or was there in these movements some kind of security squad that stops the people or attempts to dissuade the people who leave the movement? Not in that, in, in that sense. Uh, for members of Heaven's Gate who wanted to leave... Uh, what they would do is they would go talk to Applewhite and Nettles, uh, or just Applewhite after Nettles had died, and he would ask them why they wanted to leave, what was going on. Then they would have to think about it, and they would really offer the choice, either you stay or you go, and it was, uh, there, there was no halfway at that point, though there were members who left and came back quite a bit. But there really wasn't a security squad. Uh, the ex-members I've talked to uh, who obviously did leave, being ex-members, said that uh, often they were very torn psychologically by this, but there were certainly no impediments to their departure. And once they decided to leave, uh, it was relatively easy. As I said, they were handed uh, money and either a bus ticket or a plane ticket and, and told to take off. But there were many of these ex-members who actually came back 
there were ex-members who left in the 70s or 80s who, who came back in the 90s. There were also people who left and stayed out. And most members who left stayed out. If you look at the numbers, uh, there were about 40 people or so, give or take, by the end. They touched probably into the thousands of people, but they were in the, the high hundreds who had ever actually traveled with them or, or attended more than one meeting or in any way sort of been connected. But no, it, 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 among the various new religions or, or cults that I'm familiar with, Heaven's Gate was actually uh, uh, one of the, 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 the better ones in terms of if you wanted to leave, there weren't many impediments. Uh, part of it was these were pacifists. They were basically uh, living as monks and nuns. They, they abhorred violence. They abhorred any sort of restriction. And they did believe in free will, ultimately. Well, that seems to fly in the face of the conclusion, though, that they off themselves. That is an ultimate act of violence, isn't it? It is. It's an act of self-violence. They were very clear, though, that they didn't want people who, are gonna, who, who weren't sure to be part of it. And there were uh, members who, who left in the final months. In fact, uh, the, the gentleman who, who found the bodies... Uh, was an ex-member who had been tipped off. And in fact, most of the ex-members who I've been in contact with uh, who, who left in the final months or years, uh, they were aware that, su- that suicide was coming up as an option. And uh-huh. that was, in many cases, the, the reason why they left. But yes, I mean, there uh, w- were their choices constricted? Yes, if, if you chose to stay, then you knew that you were going to be committing suicide, at least in the last couple of years of the movement's uh, existence. Uh-huh. That is a profoundly radical, profoundly self-violent choice. But I do believe that it is ultimately a choice. Well, uh, you know, that, that begs the question, why weren't authorities alerted by concerned ex-members uh, when they, you know, uh, being aware of this, uh, what seemed to be more and more of a likely outcome. But one of the things that I really wanted to get into as well, before we talk about the actual events that occurred, uh, you know, in late March, uh, 97, what was the lifestyle like? What sort of, you, you mentioned it was kind of monastic. There were some issues around sexuality, if I remember correctly, uh, from your book. Why don't you describe for our listeners a little bit, uh, what it was like to be a member in this group and, and how they traveled, how, how, uh, they were, were able to, you know, meet their, their nut, you know, pay their bills, that sort of thing. And, and, and how did this lifestyle attract people to the group? Sure. I'm going to give you two different answers because there was a big historical shift in the group. When they first began in the seventies, uh, the lifestyle, uh, was, was quite different from how it was in the end. It was not monastic. Uh, when they began, uh, uh, Marshall Herf, Applewhite Herf, and, uh, and Bonnie Lou Nettles, they were certainly the leaders. They were the intellectual leaders of the movement. They were the, the, the ones who, uh, who spoke at the meetings. But they exerted very little control over their members. They often didn't even give uh, uh, the, the, the members or their adherents much direction for what they should be doing. So people who joined, uh, they were told to leave all their belongings behind, to bring with camping equipment. They basically met in campgrounds and then traveled around, held meetings, tried to, to, to gain converts, but didn't have much guidance as to what they were supposed to be doing. In theory, they weren't supposed to be having sex. They weren't supposed to be uh, using drugs. Uh, but this being the late 70s, there was all sorts of stuff happening. Uh, there was almost no direct control over, over the members. Then in the late 70s, it was clear this was not going to work. Uh, Bonnie Lou Nettles, T, uh, put her foot down and said, okay, the harvest is closed. We're going to stop focusing on attracting members and we're going to focus on getting our own house in order. They institute uh, a series of sort of monastic controls where it became clear if, if you weren't willing to sign on to the idea of no sex, 
no drugs, then you couldn't be a member. You just had to leave. There was actually sort of a mini purge at this movement at this point in the movement. Uh, and from that point on, they did live monastically. They took new names. Uh, the uh, uh, ex-members have recounted to me that one of the most poignant parts of uh, experiences as, as members of the movement was uh, when they were called in one by one to meet with T and O. Uh, and to be given their new names as members of the movement. And it was compared to the way that a Catholic monk or a Catholic nun would be given a new name when they joined the order. The old life was dead and a new life was beginning. And they did try to live like monks and nuns. Sometimes they, they actually wore robes and cassocks. Other times they wore t-shirts and, and, and pants. Uh, the, the, the type of clothing changed, but it was always a uniform. There was always a uniform. It's just the type of uniform changed. There was always uh, a, a central kitchen, a neutral lab, as they called it. Uh, and so the, the, the food was, uh, was cooked by sort of uh, one or two members who were in charge of the neutral lab or the kitchen. It was a mess hall sort of system. Uh, it was a very monastic way to live. Uh, eventually, uh, they had to take jobs. They didn't have enough money. Uh, but the sort of jobs they took uh, was uh, basically whatever they could find. But they were moving a lot. So none of them could really ever move up in their jobs, you know, go into a managerial roles or things like that. It was uh, uh, the whole idea was maybe if you had to work outside of the movement, you did that to afford, to, to afford food and rent, basically. But all of the effort, all of the energy, all of the, 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 the essence of living was within the movement. They saw themselves as a class and they were students and they were learning from their teachers and everything was about that. I, I just don't see what the attraction is. <laughs> you, well, I you, think for most of us, there isn't. And that's why there were only 39 <laughs> members at the end, to be honest. No sex, no drugs, no rock and roll. Man, that you doesn't sound it. like... Uh, uh, well, there, there was a lot of Star Trek. I'll give them that much. Uh, but uh, <laughs> no, no, I think I think that that's why they were so small. This was a niche, this was a niche movement. The, the sort of lifestyle they offered didn't and doesn't appeal to most of us. You know who it appeals to? It appeals to people who've already basically given up on the world and think the world is not a great place and what they want is something above and beyond this world. No, but they're monastic organizations in, in, in most of the world's religions, and they don't appeal to a lot of people. You have to be a very particular sort of personality and have a very particular sort of life experiences to make this remotely interesting to most people. And there, there's a long history of members who joined and left. Uh, there's an ex-member who said, basically, he told me, I kept asking himself, how, how come you left? Because it was clear he still believed most of it. He was still really a true believer in many ways. But he left, and eventually I, I, I said, why'd you leave? He said, well, to be honest, it was the sex. I, I, I just couldn't do it. That's a fair answer. That's a really fair answer. Tell your average person they can't have sex, and they're going to say, yeah, sorry, I'm not going to join the group. And, that, and that's basic human biology. Let's go into more of this in a moment when we have some listener questions to ask of you, Ben. But I want to frame this, and maybe we'll have the answer on our next segment. And that is, you mentioned that some of these ex-members were aware of the suicide pact. Correct. And there are two questions I'd ask and maybe amplify what Chris had talked about before. One, why they didn't go to the authorities and say, wait a minute, these people may be preparing to off themselves. Why don't you investigate? And number two, and it could be related or not, did any of these people separately remove from Heaven's Gate have the feeling that they should commit suicide by themselves for whatever reason, even if only to honor their previous beliefs. That's an interesting set of questions. And we'll hold that for a moment. The book is called Heaven's Gate, America's UFO Religion. Our guest is Dr. Benjamin Zeller. 
He's joining us with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. UnseenNow.com, proud sponsor of GCN. Unseen Now's unparalleled encryption tools keep your communications secure. GCN. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. We all have our own idea about what being safe and secure means. The door's locked, bills are paid, you've got a job that keeps the lights on, and a home to call your own. But what happens when Mother Nature throws a curveball? Are you prepared to live without electricity or passable roads for weeks at a time? Do you even have a plan B? If you do, are you willing to bet your life on it? Children left with no homes. And no one's coming to help them. Help them. The first step towards self-reliance in the face of disaster is a visit to MyPatriotSupply.com. There you'll find the absolute best prices on storable foods, non-GMO seeds, emergency water filtration devices, and so much more. All orders over $49 qualify for free shipping in the lower 48 states. Call 866-229-0927. That's 866-229-0927. And speak to one of our preparedness advisors today or visit us at mypatriotsupply.com remember before it's time to survive it's time to prepare i had tried everything i'd cut back the amount of food i was eating i was lifting weights and jogging but nothing was working my body was literally starving for minerals and trace elements as well as key vitamins and as soon as i had that i immediately could eat half of what i was eating previously and be satisfied Now, there are hundreds of great products at InfoWarsTeam.com, but I want to point out the three that have helped me lose 37 pounds in just two months. Products like Beyond Tangy Tangerine, Pollen Burst, and Rebound. When I started taking the Tangy Tangerine and other products every day, I lost more than 37 pounds in just two months. Now, that's results. I want to challenge my listeners to go to InfoWarsTeam.com and to order just three of their products and you will see the changes in the way you look, feel, and in your appetite almost immediately. Start your journey to health and wellness today. InfoWarsTeam.com This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. 
General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right, General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right, that's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the Paracast. So, Ben Zeller, two questions on the table related to ex-members. Would you have a response? Absolutely. So the first question was, why didn't ex-members tip off the authorities? Two answers to that. One is, ex-members in, of Heaven's Gate had an astoundingly positive set of relationships that with the current members and with the leadership of Heaven's Gate, there were very few angry ex-members. Almost everyone who left, left on good terms and remained friendly with members of the group when they were able to communicate. At different times during the group's existence, uh, members did not communicate with outsiders. But when they were willing to keep up communications, there were actually positive communications there. So the first answer is uh, they didn't want to betray the trust of, of their of their friends, uh, of their, uh, their, their, their former co-religionists within the movement. The other is a strong distrust of, of government authorities. Members of Heaven's Gate were convinced that there was a conspiracy at work, that the government was hiding the truth about alien visitations, the truth about UFOs, that there had been a conspiracy involved uh, with the attack on, uh, on the Branch Davidians, uh, that there had been a conspiracy evolved uh, with the with the attack on the Montana Freemen, another sort of radical uh, right religious group. They believed that the government was not to be trusted. So the last thing that ex-members would have even ever considered doing was, was going to the authorities. The authorities were in league with the Luciferians, that is, with the bad space aliens. And most ex-members kept some aspect of, of, of their beliefs with them. Most people who joined Heaven's Gate already believed in UFOs, ufology, space aliens. And when they left, they still kept believing most of it as well. Maybe they didn't believe it in precisely the same way. Uh, th- those are the, the two best, uh, best answers to that question. Now, your second question was, did any ex-members who left uh, later feel they also had to commit suicide or to exit their bodies, exit their vehicles, to use the terminology that members of Heaven's Gate used? And the answer is yes, there are at least four individuals, ex-members, who after they left the movement decided that they were also going to perform exits, that is, uh, uh, commit suicide. Uh, there was a pact between two of them uh, who committed uh, suicide uh, shortly uh, after the, the main suicides. Uh, one of them was successful. Uh, the other was not. And the gentleman who was not successful, Ricotti was his name within the movement. I actually spoke with him after his failed suicide attempt. He later on also uh, did commit suicide, so he he uh, he did. It, it took him two tries, but he also committed suicide or exited his vehicle to use his terminology. And there were two other ex-members who who later did as well. There was also at least one, maybe two copycats. Uh, that is, people who were not ever members of Heaven's Gate, who uh, for for reasons known only to them, uh, decided that they would also commit suicide and left uh, indications they were doing this because of Heaven's Gate. Whether they were believers or already suicidal individuals, I don't really know, and no one really knows. Uh, but certainly the majority of ex-members 
did not commit suicide, even if they felt uh, drawn to it in some way, they chose not to. Let's look at the process here that went from, I guess, somewhat of a positive view to the point where they have to commit suicide, send their souls to wherever. How did this play out? How long did it take to hatch this scheme from beginning to end? Well, as soon as Bonnie Lou Nettles, that is T, the co-founder, died, and her body was decomposing and eventually uh, had to be disposed of here on Earth. As soon as that happened, they immediately shifted the idea of, okay, we have to get rid of our bodies so our souls can travel on to the next level. Our bodies are admiring us here. We have to evolve beyond them somehow. So at first, it was our bodies are going to evolve. But then it was our souls have to evolve. But what do you do with the body? They mulled over that for really for a good uh, 15 years. (laughs) Uh, What to do? What to do with this body? At one point, they hatched the idea of they would have a shootout with the government. They thought, well, we have to get rid of our bodies somehow. So what we need to do is get the government to kill us. They were already convinced the government wanted to kill them anyways, that the government would have been fearful and upset that they had stumbled across the truth, that they represented a threat to the conspiracy. So they thought all we have to do is make it public that we know the truth that the government is in league with the Luciferian space aliens, that we have been contacted by the next level. All we have to do is, is, is let the government know that we know. And then all we have to do is present ourselves as a threat, get some guns, uh, get together in, a, uh, in some sort of uh, uh, closed location, and they will uh, stampede us and we'll have a shootout, they'll kill us, and that's how our bodies will be destroyed and our souls will get to heaven. Now, unfortunately, from the perspective of Heaven's Gate, uh, the government just wasn't that interested in them. Uh, although they did post on Usenet all sorts of inflammatory statements about the government was going to come and kill them, and that uh, Apple White was Jesus come back, and that uh, the end of times was coming, there was no effort by the government to actually raid them or attack them. Uh, so that, that didn't work out. Uh, and around then is when they shifted the idea of, okay, we're going to have to commit suicide on our own. Uh, and then they uh, started doing their research about it. They bought a book on how to commit suicide. And they, uh, they decided the best way to do it was through barbiturates and alcohol uh, and asphyxiation. So they uh, hatched a plan, and it took them a couple of years to, uh, uh, to sort it out. Uh, but all throughout this process, they were still uh, members were working jobs. Uh, they were still doing things like uh, uh, you know taking care of, the, of their bodies. I mean, they went to the one member went to the dentist the week of the suicides. I think it was maybe three, four days before this member committed suicide. They had gone to get a filling at the dentist. Yeah, I don't know how you feel about the dentist, but that's not something I would do. Uh, <laughs> that's they, I mean, they, weird. They, it, was, it was it was it was fascinating. It's, it's weird, but it's so. It speaks to this movement that members were, on the one hand, looking upward and outward, trying to transcend the body and 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 join the next level. On the other hand, and I've looked over their accounts from the last week. That's how I know what they were doing. I and mean, they were going to the dentist. They were paying their library fines. They were they were living in a very earthly, very mundane uh, way. One of their last purchases was they they purchased a chafing dish to replace one that broke. A chafing dish and suicide in the same week. Come on. I wonder, when you say that, I wonder if until the very end, some of these people didn't believe it was real. It was just a play acting. Oh, we're going to plan to commit suicide. Isn't this a wacky idea? But maybe they didn't take it seriously until the last minute. And the other question is, too, when it happened, do you think that one person doing it impelled the others? Was it all done at the same time? What? 
It was done in waves. It was done in three waves. And certainly after the first wave went, uh, it would have been uh, very psychologically difficult, I would think, for the members of the second or third wave to, to back out. Uh, now, did members think they were play acting? I, I don't know. If I, I've... I've read the exit statements and I've uh, I've I've watched all the uh, the exit videos. That is the the tape recorded messages, and they seem pretty convinced. And they made those uh, those videos one or two days before the actual suicides. What they did believe, though, was that the plan could be called off or could be changed at the last minute if the next level deemed it necessary. So they did believe there was a remote possibility something would come up that some sort of channeled wisdom could be given to Applewhite to Doe and the plan could be changed at the last minute. Perhaps the UFO would descend and pick them up. Who knows? So they did believe the plan could change, uh, but I think they were committed to it and they were resigned to the end of the movement. Uh, now, in terms of how they actually did it, it did go in waves, as I said. Uh, the uh, first wave uh, took their uh, barbiturates and alcohol, tied uh, plastic bags over their heads. Uh, they were very careful that uh, each individual did it themselves. Uh, so that uh, no one could be accused of, of a you know, manslaughter or murder. So each individual did it themselves. And then the, uh, this, uh, the second wave cleaned up after the first wave. Second wave repeated the process, and the third wave cleaned up after them. And the third wave, there was no one to clean up after. So some of them didn't get their plastic bags on quite right. There was more of a mess. Uh, but uh, they were very careful to sort of clean up after each other and to go in waves over a several-day period. Oh, boy. Yeah, it really is creepy. I must uh-huh. say, it is, it it is fascinatingly bizarre. Uh, <laughs> it, what yeah. what what strikes me about it is they were they, they took it seriously, and that they were willing to do this. Could you imagine being in a house? Granted, it was air conditioned, but still, I mean, you have decomposing bodies of of your your closest friends lying around around you. And you're cleaning up after them and going on your way to get ready to commit suicide the, the, the next morning or later on that afternoon. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Yeah. That's... But, you know, for, for members, this is, they believed it was this or, or damnation, basically. They believed that the next level was going to wipe out our garden, that the weeds had taken, o- taken over the garden, that it was time basically to spray the roundup, as I said earlier, that the, the garden was, was beyond reclaim. They had to wipe out everything here, and the next level aliens were going to begin the apocalypse, basically. So if you were to stay here, you were basically resigning yourself to, to not getting on that spaceship. So the choice was suicide and spaceship in heaven, basically, or stay here on a garden which was about to get destroyed. Wow. Now, Ben, what we do before each show is we announce um, our guest. And at the Paracast Forum, we have a question bank, which allows listeners uh, of the show, since we tape in advance, to uh, to pose questions. And we, we do have a number of questions here that I'd like to uh, bounce off you. Sure. Burnt State is one of our long-standing uh, uh, members at, at the Forum. He's just past the 2500 Post Club. He gets the gold watch soon, and we'll have his question in our next segment. Dr. Benjamin Zeller is here, author of Heaven's Gate, with Gene and Chris. You're in The Paragast. GCN, proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Find out how to stop Big Brother and his tracks at UnseenNow.com. This is GCN. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands, and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement, and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. 
with the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. The knowledge of the ancients, tried and true, trusted herbs and extracts fused with the latest nutraceutical science. Introducing the all-new Ancient Defense Herbal Immunity Blend, crafted with over 14 key ancient herbs and extracts to supercharge and prepare your body for what experts admit is the most dangerous season of the year. We have rejected hundreds of other formulations in our quest to bring you what is simply the most powerful and comprehensive proprietary formula that we have ever created in the realm of herbal immunity. For the last two years, our team has been working with top doctors, nutritionists, and chemists to develop the ultimate nutraceutical formulation. Experience the benefits of combining over 14 ancient herbs and extracts with exciting new advances in nutraceutical science. Now is the time to secure ancient defense for you and your family. Visit ancientdefense.com or call 888-253-3139. That's ancientdefense.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. As we mentioned, Burnt State has posted over 2,500 messages in our forums. He'll continue doing it till he gets it right. No, he always gets it right. He's one of our most knowledgeable posters. So, Chris, you're going to ask Burnt State's question of Ben Zeller. Well, yeah, he has a, a number of questions. And the first one is, is a good one. It involves you know people in ufology that did not come forward and, and condemn uh, the Heaven's Gate cult. And he's wondering, what responsibility, if any, do you feel those who define themselves as ufologists should be taken for not speaking out against Heaven's Gate? And how should similar UFO cults be treated in general by the communities and the culture who believe in UFOs as a real phenomenon? You know, I'll tell you, this is the most morally pressing question for me. As I mentioned earlier, I actually interviewed with and chatted with uh, Ricotti, uh, one of these ex-members who tried to commit suicide, uh, failed, and then later did commit suicide. And I, I spoke to him, obviously, but between those suicide attempts. And it was clear to me what was going to happen. It was, it was clear that, that he, he believed that, that he was going to have to commit suicide. I actually asked him that, and he said, oh, he would left it up to the next level. But it was pl- pretty clear to me. I didn't try to convince him not to. And I don't know if that was the right choice or not. But for me, it came down to the fact that that these were sane people. They were sane people who were making decisions which made sense to them. Do we agree with them? No. I disagree with suicide, and I I think that the choices they made were were wrong ones. I think that these were were amazing individuals. I I would have preferred they stay on this earth to, to contribute in some way. But ultimately, if this is their choice, I don't feel like it's our place to intrude. On the other hand, I recognize this is, 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 is a real moral issue, and this is an ethical issue, and that there's different answers to this. And I think it, it ultimately depends on the particular ethical and moral 
guidelines that, that each person follows. You know, I, I want to respect freedom and freedom of conscience and freedom of choice. On the other hand, I also think that life is important and that uh, that suicide is not the answer for, for healthy individuals such as this. All right. Um, you just opened up a quick question I'm going to ask. I can't afford, this is what I opened up. Big okay. You opened up a big one here, which is what about assisted suicide to people who are really ill and continued existence, continuing to stay alive would be supremely painful and maybe they should just end it all. What do you think about that? Uh, my personal view is that if that is their choice, that should be uh, that should be open to them. In terms of sort of the legalities of physician assisted, you know, can you uh, can a physician take uh, take part in killing a patient? I, I don't think physicians should be involved in in, in killing a patient. But if, if a patient asked for painkiller prescriptions uh, and then chooses to overdose, and, and they're a uh, a person who is who is dying, then I don't think it's uh, it's our place to interfere in the last wishes. Of another human being. Well, that wow, that really uh, that leads me to uh, uh, another question by Bernd State, and and that has to do with uh, Chuck Schrammick and uh, the yeah. claim. You know, he was an am- the amateur astronomer yeah, yeah. who yeah. claimed that there was a companion following Hale Bopp, and then later on Courtney Brown and yeah. Prudence Calabrese. They yeah, yeah, they yeah. said mm-hmm. that they remote viewed that this yeah. was a a ship. Now it's interesting to note that. Ufology is filled with people making outrageous, uh, at times, uh, outlandish claims. And if those claims are, are glommed onto by a group like Heaven's Gate and partially used as an excuse to off themselves, what are the moral obligations of ufologists or people who are looking for publicity for their claims? Do you think that they have a moral obligation to uh, to not make these claims or to have at least some sort of caveat because the way Art Bell picked up on this and Ed Dames and others, Courtney Brown, this seemed to be kind of that last little push that pushed these people over the edge. And do you think that the, the, the field of ufology has a responsibility to be extremely um, circumspect and careful about uh, claims that they make? I think they do. I think that, that the, the, the guiding principle here should be truth should be that people should focus on trying to, to find the truth, and that when they present something which they think is the truth, any caveats that come with it should be offered as well, as openly as necessary. If it's, well, I'm not sure that uh, this is, you know, I'm 95% sure of this, or I'm 75% sure of this, I think that people have to be open and honest, and I think that people have to, uh, have to admit when, uh, when, when they're making a guess or when they have presuppositions which might have influenced them. You know, the, the, the Courtney Brown issue is actually somewhat different, I think, because it was a remote viewing. That's much more on the religious side of things, at least to me. You know, it, it, and, and if, if you buy into remote viewing, then, uh, then, I, then I think that's a different sort of set of positions than, than a photograph. You claim you have a photograph, then you're claiming that uh, this is sort of scientific, this is, uh, uh, this is empirical. And that has a sort of a much higher threshold of uh, mandated truthiness, to, to use a Stephen Colbertism. Uh, that you, that there, if you're going to claim you have a photograph or something physical, you better be darn sure that it is real. If you're claiming you had a remote viewing or you've channeled knowledge or that there's some sort of non-empirical, more metaphysical claim, then you already know some people will take it, some people will leave it. 
But again, if you're claiming something physical or empirical, I do think there should be a higher threshold of evidence required. Yeah, I do think so. I, I don't think we can lay the Heaven's Gate suicides at the feet of anyone in particular. Uh, but Shramik's work is certainly uh, was part of the story. It, yeah, it's almost like that last little nudge that they're they're yeah. teetering on the edge, and that that just gave them enough to uh, to use the uh, the Hale-Bopp companion as an excuse, or the comet itself. Yeah. Uh, or regardless of the the supposed companion behind it, if there's another. Shramik, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, if you have a comment, go ahead, and then I'll ask the last of Burnt State's questions here. I was going to say, if if there hadn't been the the the, the claim of the companion, the Shramik or uh, originated claim, and then the, uh, the 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 Brown remote viewings and such, would the Heaven's Gate suicide still have occurred? Maybe. And, and, and I might even say probably at a later date. Yeah. They really had given up on this earth and their body. They would have found something else probably. It would have unraveled in a different way. Uh, but here, I'm going to hedge my bets and I'm going to follow my own moral guidance and say I'm not sure. It's entirely possible that in the interviewing, intervening years, they might have changed their minds and decided that uh, they were supposed to stay on this planet and be spokespeople for the next level. And they might be happily humming along with the you know, publishing on the internet even today. Maybe you'd yeah. be having them as guests. I'm not sure. But uh, I don't know. I really don't know. But it's- Well, also, you have to factor in just several days before you had one of the most, uh, you know, amazing mass sightings in history with the uh, alleged uh, object that flew uh, down from Henderson, uh, Nevada, all the way down the Prescott Valley over Phoenix and then down to Tucson. I happened to be uh, right off the night that that occurred and the LA Times, for some reason, was able to find me several days later and get get my opinion about the Heaven's Gate suicides. And I was working with a team of plasters on a on a, a large straw bale project, and the head plaster was watching the news reports of the Heaven's Gate suicides and noticed they were all wearing the same shoes that I had on. And we I literally guess. had to convince him to stay because he he it was too much for him at that point. So yeah, <laughs> some of this stuff does tend to push people over the edge. <laughs> anyway, you know the story of those shoes i can tell you the story of those shoes they bought them on sale uh they uh i forget they got a great deal for them they were uh it was two-thirds off or something like that for those uh those black nike swoosh just do it shoes uh but a couple of ex-members i was talking to uh, ex-members they thought that that the heaven's gate members probably got the joke the just do it you know which was the nike uh, uh, motto at the time, a uh, slogan, uh, and the fact they were committing suicide. So the ex-members I talked to said, yeah, they probably thought it was pretty funny, or at least sort of uh, there, was a, there was a nice convergence there uh, <laughs> between the suicide and, and, and the swoosh. It certainly was, uh, was fodder for the, uh, uh, for the humorists of the world. <laughs> that they even could approach such a drastic step with any touch of humor is almost mind-boggling. It is. It is. But that's uh, that was what what uh, what so, uh, what members have told me or ex-members what they would call um, uh, next level humor. Next level humor is unearthly. Next level humor is the recognition that this whole earth is just, uh, as I said, a, a garden or a classroom and that uh, uh, that it's OK to laugh at this sort of thing because the body is just basically a bean pod and uh, the, the soul transcends it. Uh, <laughs> We are listening to the Bean Pods on radio right now with Bean Pod Ben, Bean Pod Gene, and Bean Pod Chris. You're in <laughs> the Paracast. 
Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Quantitative easing, unemployment at depression levels, Europe financial system falling apart, China getting out of U.S. treasuries. At the end of 2008, the time of TARP, the national debt was at 11 trillion gold, trading around $850 per ounce. Close to 2012, the national debt exceeded 16.4 trillion, gold doubled to $1,600 per ounce. The 20 trillion threshold for the national debt is inevitable. Politicians in Washington have a ferocious appetite for spending and stimulus. What's worse, a printing press to finance. A hundred years ago, we had a gold standard to limit this madness, but now you have to adopt your own gold standard. Don't be fooled with paper promises. Get Midas Resources 10 Reasons to Buy Gold free by calling 800-686-2237. Understanding the gold and silver market may be the only insurance you could have to avoiding the next economic crisis. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order your free copy. Again, that's 800-686-2237. The knowledge of the ancients, tried and true, trusted herbs and extracts fused with the latest nutraceutical science. Introducing the all-new Ancient Defense Herbal Immunity Blend, crafted with over 14 key ancient herbs and extracts to supercharge and prepare your body for what experts admit is the most dangerous season of the year. We have rejected hundreds of other formulations in our quest to bring you what is simply the most powerful and comprehensive proprietary formula that we have ever created in the realm of herbal immunity. For the last two years, our team has been working with top doctors, nutritionists, and chemists to develop the ultimate nutraceutical formulation. Experience the benefits of combining over 14 ancient herbs and extracts with exciting new advances in nutraceutical science. Now is the time to secure ancient defense for you and your family. Visit ancientdefense.com or call 888-253-3139. That's ancientdefense.com. Hey everyone, I'm having lots of fun with my new Ghost 80% AR-15. This baby shoots like a dream. Hey, thanks guns80.com. You know, friends ask me all the time why I wanted a Ghost AR-15. That's easy. You see, my buddy Mark kept telling me that I'd better go to guns80.com to get myself a Ghost AR-15 before they outlawed them. I thought he was just paranoid, so I ignored him. Well, at first. But then I started hearing government media types talking about making guns illegal, about the president signing on to a UN treaty that could take my gun rights away. You know, it really bugged me. So I dug in, I did the research, and I realized that Mark was right all along. I know now that having an unregistered Ghost AR-15 is the right answer. I'm a proud 80% Ghost AR-15 convert. You should be, too. The answer is really simple. Get your Ghost AR-15 at Guns80.com. The big sale is on right now. Go to Guns80.com. That's Guns80.com. Guns80.com. 
The numbers 80.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. I thought Chris was going to say you're in the bean pod. <laughs> that too. Chris, uh, more questions for Ben Zeller? Sure. Okay, this is more of a, an observation by Bernstein, but it's it's a good one. And uh, we've already kind of uh, touched on this, but let's uh, drill down a little bit on it. Whether it's Boer Peep or the contactees of the 50s and 60s, there's a longstanding history of the UFO and its occupants representing some sort of transcendence for humanity. Why do you think this phenomenon lends itself so well to such human desires? Well, I can go back to Jung. Carl Jung, his answer was that the UFO was the technological angel for our age. Uh, that was actually one of the last writings he did before his passing. I'm blanking on the, the German title, but uh, UFOs is technological angel. His idea was that, and of course, Jung believed in archetypes, the idea that the different religious motifs would present themselves different ways over time. His idea was that uh, the angel for the 20th and now 21st century, we had to be a technological angel because we are now a technological scientific people. So instead of the cosmos, the transcendent order, the, the divine speaking to us through, you know, beings with multiple wings, you know, speaking out of flaming chariots and such, now they speak to us out of technology, out of flying saucers. That was Jung's idea. Uh, and if you're a phenomenologist of religion, that is, if you're a comparativist who wants to look at different claims religious people have made, then that makes a certain amount of sense, that the uh, the angels for our age would be technological. Uh, but in terms of the uh, other ways of looking at it, uh, UFOs uh, evoke wonder. Uh, who hasn't seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind and been impressed with awe and wonder in that, in that final scene, right? The idea that... Uh, that there's something bigger and better and more transcendent and more impressive than us out in the cosmos. I'll allude to Carl Sagan again, as I said, one of my heroes. One of well, it was his last book. It was published uh, posthumously. His um, uh, it was his uh, his Gifford lectures, the varieties of scientific experience. Uh, Sagan talks about how when he looks up at the cosmos, he's struck by a a religious awe at how small we are and how big it is up there. And what is a UFO but a messenger? of that big cosmos out there to bring to little teeny us in our little backwards planet in the far corner of, of, of a little galaxy in a corner of the universe, something bigger and better from out there. And that is, I think, for many people, what UFOs represent, whether you're a believer or not. Arthur Clarke, I think, said there's two possibilities. One is that uh, uh, there's aliens out there in the universe. The other is that we're, we're totally alone and each one is equally terrifying. Yeah, that was that was Clark. You know, I think it was also Clark that said, uh, "Was it any um, any suitably advanced uh, form of technology is indistinguishable from magic, uh, or right. I would say religion?" Uh, and then that's part of it too. Is it the idea that for people who are very much believe in in, in the sort of the more religious side of ufology, it's very easy to understand how UFOs and alien technology could come across as as religious in some way. Well, that's that's a perfect lead into uh, my next set of questions here. These come from Charlie Prime, who just passed the 1,000 post mark uh, at forum.theparacast.com. 
And his first question is, is what is your opinion of the thesis that the similarity in ancient creation myths around the world indicate offward off-world intervention in human development. Right now, Ancient Aliens, I think, is the second most popular show the History Channel has ever had. They've somehow milked this particular cow uh, for seven seasons, and it's it, just immensely popular uh, around the world. What about this connection uh, that these ancient alien uh, or Eric von Donneken devotees yeah. are making, trying to connect similarities in what appear to be alien type motifs that we find in some of the uh, many of the world's great religions i think that it speaks to an innate human need to make sense of the world to make sense of our history and to to understand it and it also speaks to a 20th now 21st century desire to have some sort of scientific verifiable empirical answer to those questions. You know, I think that, uh, that, that earlier in human history, there was much more of a comfort with metaphysical or uh, theological or supernatural answers to the questions of where did the earth come from? Where did we come from? Where did all the religions come from? I think that now many more people want technological, empirical, physical natural answers to those questions. And the idea of ancient astronauts or uh, ancient extraterrestrial uh, visitors as the foundation for the world's religions does both those things. A, it, it gives us answers to the questions of what we are and why, why we have these religions and, and with the nature of, of our societies and our cultures. And B, it does it in a way which is in keeping with the 21st century rational, scientific, empirical way of looking at the world. If you call it physicalism if you want, call it naturalism. I use the word materialism in my book. Um, and I think you're right to trace it to uh, Eric von Donneken's work, Chariots of the Gods. There were those before him who had similar claims, but I think he really popularized it. And, and then pop culture, I think, to be honest. Uh, uh, Stargate did a lot for it, and then uh, its spin-off TV series you mentioned earlier, SG-1. There were a number of Star Trek episodes uh, which I think were very influential, which had the same motif. I don't know if you or your listeners uh, remember uh, Who Mourns for Adonis. It was one of the original series episodes from Star Trek. Uh, they run across Adonis, the old Apollo, the old Greek god. Right. Turns out he was a space alien, and he and his uh, Olympian uh, space aliens came to visit Earth and enjoyed being uh, Greek gods for a while, but then wandered off. You know, it's, it's if there are extraterrestrials, if extraterrestrials visit our planet— if extraterrestrials have amazing technology, then it is all quite plausible and quite believable. That creates any kind of possibility. Yeah, there's a lot of people that uh, entertain that possibility. In fact, embrace it wholeheartedly. I, yeah, I, I think that's, that, that goes without saying. I, I think we're seeing more of a groundswell because of the popularity of these subjects. Obviously, Hollywood wants to make uh, money, maximize their their uh, bottom line potential. So they're pumping out these paranormal shows left and right. Most of them, to be honest with you, I wouldn't give the time of day to. But, uh, you know, it's it does seem to be ever increasing in popularity, these subjects. Here's I think you're right. I think you're right. And, and I think that if you look at statistics, I haven't looked at recent surveys, but last I checked, the majority of Americans do believe that, that UFOs exist and that intelligent life exists out in, in the cosmos. So th this is not actually sort of some sort of niche belief. This is actually very widespread. But maybe you might know the statistics better than I do. It depends on which, which poll. It's actually, uh, in some sense, it's been decreasing somewhat over the years uh, based on a National Geographic poll that came out about three years ago. That, yeah, I remember that one. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, the less less and less people believe that uh, UFOs are here. But as you pointed out, more and more people, because of the discovery of, of exoplanets out there, more and more people and scientists are, are now becoming more and more convinced that there is uh, intelligent life out in the universe, or there better be. <laughs> Let's put it yeah, that well, way. Yeah, my personal view is it, it's an incredible act of hubris to think that we are the only intelligent species in, in a nearly infinite universe with unmeasurable numbers of planets out there, many, many of which are more ancient than ours, to claim that we are the only species of life or the only species of intelligent life in the entire universe, it's almost medieval to me. But I, you know, I, I recognize that people believe it, and I, I, it's not my place as a scholar to judge them. My personal view is that it, it is an act of incredible hubris, though, to claim that, that we are all there is in a universe which is uncountable. This announcement will be uncountable, so we have to begin it. We have Ben Zeller joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Free from the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Time waits for no one. That's why you should hurry to not miss the Freeze Dry Guy's end of year case let's sale. Go to freezedryguy.com or call 866 404 3663 to receive 20 to 25% off Mountain House freeze dried foods. Mountain House, the gold standard in long term storage products, include real freeze dried meats, entrees, eggs, fruits, and vegetables. Yes, 20 to 25% off now. Also, receive 30% off other selected Mountain House foods and receive 30% off selected Packaway brand dehydrated foods. Just call 866-404-3663 and ask for the freeze-dry guy. Plus, long-range patrol ration eggs and ham at superb discounts. But these are extremely hard to find and nearly gone, so call today. Ask about our LRP ice cream bars, too. Some items limited to stock on hand. And remember, the freeze-dry guy pays for shipping to your door within the lower 48 states. Order now. Don't miss out on the freeze-dry guy's end-of-year caselet sale. Call 866-404-3663 or visit freezedryguy.com. You pick up the receiver. With your heart racing and sweat dripping from your forehead, you finally muster the courage to dial the number to call into your favorite talk radio show. It rings once, twice, and then... Hello, it's GCN. What's your name and the state you're calling from? Surprised you got through, you squeak out. Jason from Minnesota. Please hold. As you patiently wait for your turn, you begin to daydream about being a famous talk radio host and what it would be like.
like to have your own show? Jason from Minnesota, you're up. Millions of loyal listeners worldwide waiting to call and talk to you. Caller, are you there? Cheering crowds surround you, calling out your name. Jason! Jason! Going once, twice. Okay, we got to move on to the next caller. You blew it. Huh? Wait, no! The host you're listening to right now, online at GCNlive.com. Click on the community link. Engage with other listeners. Ask questions. Start debates. Don't agree with the host? Let them know. Be a part of the community at GCNlive.com. Ouch! My back is out again. Hi, Dr. Ortman with Wellspring Spinal Care. If you're experiencing neck, mid, or lower back pain, this information is for you. One of the complaints that I hear is patients receive their typical adjustment, only having to repeat them as the pain returns. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the battle. At Wellspring Spinal Care, we have the entire solution. We use the NUCA approach, utilizing three-dimensional x-rays and gentle touch technology to deliver specific correction. We then design a custom nutritional supplement program which provides essential nutrients targeting the areas of concern. With a NUCA approach and proper nutrition, you'll be on your way to a faster and more permanent recovery. To get you on the road to wellness, visit DrOrtman.com. That's DrOrtman.com. Or call us today, 952-303-9124. That's 952-303-9124. Wellspring Spinal Care, chiropractic done right. This is Kurt Southern, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. Two more segments in the Paracast. Benjamin Zeller is our guest, author of Heaven's Gate. We're exploring this mass suicide of people involved in this particular movement and the consequences, I guess, thereof. What have we learned? And we have a few more questions from listeners we'll get to in a moment. But, Ben Zeller, what have we learned from this episode? Is there anything anyone could do to prevent some other group of individuals who get sucked up into a movement deciding to commit suicide? Most of these groups we don't know about until it's too late. This is one of the issues. Now, uh, as as both of you mentioned, you had encountered members of this group earlier. As I mentioned, I had uh, encountered them on uh, on the Internet uh, before the suicides. But uh, did any of us think it was inevitably going to lead towards suicide? No, I don't think so. You know, it's it's that fine line. If, if there is a group which you know is suicidal and, and you know is going to engage in acts of violence, it's certainly if you thought they were going to engage in acts of violence outwardly, you know, if they were going to engage in terrorism or something like that, obviously most people would choose to, to go to the authorities. But as I mentioned earlier, there's this, this wrinkle, which is that members of Heaven's Gate were intense, intense conspiratorialists. They intensely believed there was a conspiracy against them and against all believers, and the government was not to be trusted until the government shows itself as, as trustable. To the majority of people, and and there, I mean, I think the majority of Americans don't trust their government. It it would be difficult to imagine ex members or observers of a group like Heaven's Gate being willing to go to the authorities and say, "Hey, here's a group I think should be on someone's radar." I think maybe the best thing to do would just be to talk about it at you know uh, among other ufologists, uh, others in the paranormal community, uh, to talk to, to scholars such as myself who study this group uh, groups like these uh, to get it on our radar. And uh, uh, then there's the, in terms of can we stop it? I don't know if we could ever stop groups like this. Now, the government has to be also gun shy after Waco, Texas, about getting involved in cults and what they're doing. So would that be a reason why the government might still be gun shy about getting involved in a movement like this and the possible consequences? 
I would assume so. And then, you know, I, I say the government as if it's, it's something out there, but it really is us. Ultimately. We elect it, we choose. And I've had some very nice interactions with members of the FBI about about just, you know, th- these topics. Uh, I don't think they're bad guys. I don't think that the government is out to uh, uh, to infringe on the religious liberties of UFO cultists and groups like this. I think they are quite respectful. I think they're also, as you said, quite gun-shy. And ultimately, it is an issue of civil liberties as well. If, if a group chooses to live monastically and uh, chooses to believe in the existence of space aliens and in visitations, uh, they weren't breaking the law. They weren't breaking the law um, until they committed the suicides. They, they were law-abiding citizens. How would, it, how would the FBI, how would the local sheriff even, even be able to stop them? Uh, conspiracy to commit suicide, I suppose. I don't know if that's even on the books somewhere. Well, certainly having psychologists and psychiatrists talk to these people and see if they can be dissuaded. And I guess that would be almost all speculation, which is if people knew what they were going to do, and you tried to engage in some kind of intervention, would you have made it worse? I think so. I think you would have played into their fears. That's exactly, it's the catch-22. If, if it were one person, if it were you know an, an, an academic, a ufologist, a reporter, who said, hey, are you guys sure about this? I want to talk to you about it. That's one thing. But if it were seen as a, as a government effort, if it was you know psychologists, psychiatrists, social workers coming in from outside, it would play into their fears of, here come the Luciferian agents to, to get us. I don't think I mentioned earlier, they were avid X-File watchers as well. They really bought into the X-File style of government conspiracy. And again, they believed that science fiction often portrayed truths, and they really did believe there was an elaborate conspiracy against them and other believers, and that there were all these different shades of conspiracies working against them. And anything sort of of large scale, it would have played into their fears. And uh, I, I don't know. As I said, they were pacifists, but um, it, it, I don't know how it would have ended. Not well. I just wonder from what you're saying whether there isn't another movement of this sort somewhere out there that might be plotting a similar move and there's no way to do anything about it. Yeah, uh, I suspect there might be. If any of your, of your listeners know one, have them uh, drop me an email. Yeah, really. I am <laughs> so happy that I, I resisted their very, very... I mean, forceful uh, attempts to try to get me to set up a talk or a meeting uh, in my little town uh, in Crestone, Colorado. And there was just something about the whole group other than the fact that they were members of of a very questionable UFO cult, in my mind. Um, I never did get a sense of anything nefarious, but man, I'm just so happy that I did not, I did not take them up on their, on their, there is just, I mean, they were relentless and keep sending me stuff, sending me stuff, trying to convince me that they were okay. And um, it was just something about them that just, I mean, that was the last thing I would ever do is get them into my little town. This leads us to some other questions that we have at forum.theparacast.com. Uh, the, the appropriately named uh, Beyond the Stargate uh, has a couple of questions for you. And the first one is, you know, we did talk about the sexuality angle and aspect of the cult, but... They understand that men in the group, along with Applewhite, underwent voluntary castration. Uh, Is this true? That is correct. Yes. So uh, the reason they abstained from sexuality is they wanted to become as close as they could to the next level aliens. They had to overcome, they had to transcend their human condition. Uh, One of the terms, one of the names they used for the group was Total Overcomers Anonymous. They were overcoming uh, they were overcoming their their human bodies. Human individual metamorphosis was also a name they used. So they had to overcome 
the human condition. Their image of the next level uh, aliens was very much akin to uh, what, I, you know, what, what your viewers or listeners probably know as, as the Greys. You know, it was uh, sort of the very uh, peaceful looking, uh, almost childlike uh, space alien, you know, with the bald head, with sort of the big eyes, very small mouth, if a mouth at all, and very gender neutral in body. Yeah, no genitalia. Yeah. yeah, absolutely none. And they actually, they had pictures of these gray aliens up around, uh, around where they, uh, in, in the homes they lived in. I have a picture of, uh, of uh, a scan of one of their pictures in my book. It's also easily found up on their website. Uh, but so they believed that next level aliens were non-mammalian. They were uh, non-gendered. They didn't eat. They didn't talk. They communicated telepathically. They consumed sunlight, basically. Uh, they were, they were perfected. They were angelic in that way. And that's what people had to be if we wanted to transcend humanity and become more like them. So that was why they avoided sex. Now, why did they get castrated uh, or neutered? Uh, because it was, it was difficult to do so. It was, it, it's difficult to, uh, uh, to fight those natural bodily urges. Uh, there are different stories from different ex-members and members about who did it first and whose idea it was. Uh, and, but basically the eventual decision was that if, if, if members of the group wanted to uh, to, to take that step of, of becoming castrated, they could do it. Now, here's what's so interesting to me: that happened at the same time as they were dis- they were discussing suicide. If you are thinking about committing suicide, why would you want to go and get castrated too? <laughs> yeah, That's what makes figure. me think they thought the whole plan might change wow. at the moment. You know, because it, 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 it's unfathomable. To me. Well, both. Let me be clear: b- both of those procedures are unfathomable to me. But if you're considering one, why you would consider the other yeah, one? Why go out and buy a chafing dish or have a filling filled? You got it. Well, I mean, that's that's I, I, that's because I think they thought at any moment T from the next level might contact them and say, no, the plan has changed. You're going to stay a little longer, wait for the next comet. There's more to do, or we're going to pick you up in bodily form. They really thought the whole thing could change at any moment. And I think that's why they were willing to, to really live in those two ways. I'll also say, though, and some social psychologists have pointed out, that uh, keeping members of a movement on their toes is one way of retaining uh, leadership. Uh, for, for Applewhite to say, well, the plan may change at any moment. That's one way that he could retain sort of his control over the movement. I, 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 I'm cautious to buy into those sort of over-psychologized interpretations, but I, there's a certain truth to that as well. We're going to split for our final segment. I want to remind you listeners that we have our PowerCast Plus service for you. Go to plus.thepowercast.com, P-L-U-S dot thepowercast.com. And you get yourself an ad-free version of the PowerCast with a higher resolution, better quality audio. The After the PowerCast podcast and a lot of stuff is coming along in 2015. The PowerCast Plus. Our guest this week with one more segment coming is Dr. Benjamin Zeller. The book is Heaven's Gate, America's UFO Religion. What have we learned from this episode, folks? With Gene and Chris, you're in The PowerCast. UnseenNow.com, proud sponsor of GCN. Unseen Now's unparalleled encryption tools keep your communications secure. GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. 
But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Alex Jones here. For the last two years, I've been working with top doctors, nutritionists, and chemists to design a nutraceutical formulation that has truly life-changing health benefits. So many other formulations out there contain toxic ingredients, synthetic additives, and even GMOs. Introducing the all-new Ancient Defense Herbal Immunity Blend, crafted with over 14 key ancient herbs and extracts to supercharge and prepare your body for what experts admit is the most dangerous season of the year. We have rejected hundreds of other formulations in our quest to bring you what is simply the most powerful and comprehensive proprietary formula that we have ever created in the realm of herbal immunity. Experience the benefits of combining over 14 ancient herbs and extracts with exciting new advances in nutraceutical science. Now is the time to secure ancient defense for you and your family. Visit InfoWarsLife.com or call 1-888-253-3139. That's InfoWarsLife.com. What good is a Big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast.
With Gene and Chris in the Paracast, Benjamin Zeller is author of Heaven's Gate. Chris, any more questions before we do our sum-ups? Uh, yeah, there are. You know, we didn't have that much time to put up a, a thread, but boy, I'll tell you, people are very intrigued by this subject. I think uh, you've done a, an excellent job, Ben, of, of covering some of the uh, sociological ramifications, uh, looking at this, really dissecting it. One thing that comes through fairly clear in the book and from my own personal experience with meeting these folks is these people were, were educated and highly intelligent. And Dave M., one of our forum posters, is really interested in your opinion. He says, do you believe that highly intelligent people are most often the gullible ones when it comes to something like alien UFOs coming to save members from impending doom? I think that intelligent, educated people are more likely to accept a message which claims to be technological or material or scientific than they are to accept a claim which strikes the average person as supernatural or pre-modern. That is to say, if, if, if a group went to a educated, intelligent person today in the 21st century or back in the, in the 1970s, 80s, 90s when Happenscape began and said, well, Jesus walked up to me and he was walking on water and turning water into wine. And I think that your average intelligent person is going to say, get out of here. That's, you know, that's even if you're a Christian believer, most Christian believers think that maybe 2000 years ago, but not today. Whereas I think if the claim sounds or comes off as somehow modern, technological, scientific, then I think there's a certain openness to it. And I think that's part of the key of, to, to understanding the success of Heaven's Gate and other UFO groups and other sort of technological, scientifically oriented new religions, is that they both have the appeal of traditional religions offering uh, chances of transcendence, uh, of ultimate truth, uh, of, of life after death, but they also package themselves and come across as very technological, very modern, very scientific, very reasonable. And that is, I think, what's very appealing to educated, intelligent 20th or 21st century people. It's sometimes the smartest uh, people in the bunch are the ones that tend to have the blind spots, I guess. So, boy, here's another question from uh, Charlie Prime, which is a good one. You know, you are a scholarly person who's interested in comparative religions, and he's wondering what your opinion uh, of the thesis that Christianity was designed by the Roman historian Josephus as a Flavian weaponized anthropology project to subvert rebellions in Judea. <laughs> Good question. I think that radical claims require uh, radical evidence, and I'm not sure how you'd be able to prove that. Is there a chance such a thing were true? Certainly. We actually don't know that much about history, to be honest, I mean, we, uh, particularly history from 2,000 years ago. Uh, Josephus does mention Christianity, does talk about Christianity. Did he invent it? I think it would be hard using archaeology to, to, to prove that point. I, I'm not an ancient historian, but my understanding of the archaeological record is that it, it's pretty clear that Christianity developed and grew rather organically out of, out of the Galilee and out of uh, Judea, and not out of Rome. You know that, that it spread up through Asia Minor, that is through Turkey, and then across the the channel and into Greece and Rome. So it'd be hard to imagine that it, that it began as a pet project off in Rome. But as I said, I'm not an ancient historian, and I like to think that I and other academics are are led by the evidence. And if one could marshal enough evidence to support that perspective, then one could could convince me of it, I suppose. I, I just think it's a radical claim. It would be pretty hard to find enough support for it. Uh, the, the burden of proof is on, is, is on the, the, the individual offering such a radical new interpretation. 
Right. Uh, good point. And, and that goes for a lot of the ancient astronaut uh, believers, too, as well. There's so many uh, of these programs use the caveat. So can we assume or could it be that or could this uh, maybe could this have happened? And, and they always kind of suggest things, but with just enough languaging to make it into a hypothetical but yet the the question and, and then the ensuing information uh, presents it as almost real as fact. And I think some people who can't see that tend to be indoctrinated by the theorizing, by the by the entertainment factor and take it as as reality. And and there's a lot of people, a lot of Paracast listeners and a lot of posters on the Paracast uh, take exception to that approach. And and for good reason. I think uh, highly intelligent people are one thing, but uh there's a lot of people out there that are very gullible and don't really take the time to listen to how certain information is being presented. And, and that's unfortunate and, and, and leads to, I think, fuzzy logic and, uh, and lack of, of real, I don't know, just critical thinking, I, I, I guess, would yeah, be the I, only term that really makes sense. And so what do you think of this, this trend that, that we, we have of the ancient alien believers and, and this whole UFO thing? Say that again, please. What is your thinking about uh, oh. the popularity of this uh, of this whole subject of UFOs and, and, and the paranormal? It's really being pumped at us by the media and by Hollywood. Uh, where do you see it going? I think it's going to keep going. I, I don't see an end to it. I think it is for our era and our time, our myth. I don't mean myth in the sense of, of something which is which is false. I mean myth in the sense of a powerful story with powerful sets of meanings and a, a story which has to be, has to be believable. You know, I think that, that for, for modern technological people today, many of the ancient myths are no longer believable. Certainly, I mean, there's, 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 there's many Christians. I mean, there's many people who, who accept sort of the, the, the classic supernaturalist claims of, of Christianity. But I, I'm thinking, because I am a, I'm a professor, I am a teacher, I, I work with, with 18 to, to 22-year-olds. They are a people who, uh, who very much want sort of, 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 of modern, modern mythologies to believe in. And one thing that ancient astronauts and, and, and UFOlogy and UFOs has going for it is it is very modern. It doesn't require that you accept claims of miracles, claims of supernaturalism. Rather, it says that you have to accept only the sort of material technological claims that we are all used to. The idea that radio waves can exist, that microwaves can exist, that one can uh, manipulate matter through technology. We're all used to that. You know, we have cell phones and microwave ovens. This is, this is not magic to us. Uh, so the idea of a mythology built on that sort of ideas, on microwaves right. and, and radio Incorporate waves. science. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why it's believable and that's why it's powerful. There are people who I think do still find supernaturalism very convincing, particularly when it's supernaturalism from 2000 years ago. I don't think Christianity is going to go anywhere. Uh, I think it's, it's it's here to stay as well. But I think that there's also an interest in uh, in something which can speak to modern people in a very modern way. And I think that scientifically oriented religions and scientifically oriented spiritual traditions fill that niche. Yeah, like Scientology would be the classic example. Scientology, a lot of New Age traditions uh, claim to be scientific. A lot of the way that, that yoga and, and Eastern traditions are packaged and offered to Western uh, consumers is that they are scientific. You know, Transcendental Meditation claimed that it was scientific. It's promoted to still do. Uh, yoga practitioners claim they're engaged in science. This sort of the rhetoric of science, the idea that, that what people are doing is scientific and modern and technological, that I think is what is so powerful today. They're using science maybe as 
a Dodge for commercial reasons, but that's another discussion and we can't wrap it up with that today. Benjamin Zeller, can you tell our listeners where they can check out more of the stuff you do? Absolutely. Well, certainly they can pick up the book. It's uh, Heaven's Gate, America's UFO Religion is published by New York University Press. You can find it pretty easily on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or any sort of source like that. You're also welcome to uh, drop me an email. Uh, You can find me pretty easily online. My uh, webpage is uh, www.nrms.net. NRMS is short for New Religious Movements. So it's www.nrms.net is my website. And we'll have a link to that, thepowercast.com. So you can just use one click to get there. We have a presence on Twitter where we're known as The Powercast. We are The Powercast on Twitter. On Facebook, look for The Powercast Fan Club. You'll find two. There's no way to combine them into one, I'm told, unless we eliminate one which we're not about to do, but there won't be three Paracast fan clubs unless somebody else decides to set one up. We also have the Paracast Plus, our premium service. You can get an ad-free version of the Paracast with a higher quality audio, the After the Paracast podcast exclusive to Paracast Plus members, and more stuff coming in 2015. Go to plus.thepowercast.com, P-L-U-S And when you go to thepowercast.com, you can sign up for our free newsletter, get a copy of the ebook version of Secrets of the Mysterious Valley by our own Chris O'Brien. Chris O'Brien's site is Our Strange Planet. You can buy his books there and get them autographed, the print versions, but not the digital versions. That's how it works. Ben Zeller, thanks for joining us on the PowerCast. Thank you very much for having me. The PowerCast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast.